0: Tip today in association with Slattery's of Clon, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County, slatterysgarage.ie.
1: Welcome along to Tip Today. 1800 938 007 our free phone number. It won't cost you a single cent to make that call. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning show, Cara Darmody is live in studio with me along with her dad, Mark, to reflect on their first day of the new campaign for change in Leinster House. we we'll are talking about dog poo in Clonmel. Are we slow to protest when it comes to the big issues across the nation? We'll be hearing from some listeners. Also, listeners, we re- action to the idea of free gp care for all we're farming with uh, Katrina Morrissey health with Muriel Cuddy and we have a little taste of this week's down your way program with uh, Eamon O'Dwyer as well you can text and whatsapp 083 311 you can email tip today at tipfm.com quick look at the headlines the irish daily mail house prices at boom time Peak, the average price of a house has reached a new record of uh, €359,000, a rise of more than 1300 a month in a year. Uh, the latest figures show to the Irish Times. And they're leading with uh, the story of a new €100 million Euro EV charging plan will put pressure on the national grid. A plan to install thousands of electric vehicle charging points around the country will place more pressure than ever on the electricity grid, the government has been warned. Of course, the uh, Pascal Donoghue, uh, story right across the newspapers today, um, the businessman who provided workers to erect posters for Pascal uh, during the two thousand and sixteen general election campaign has continued to make contributions to Final Goel Minister for public Expenditure and reform Pascal Donho has told the Doyle um, the Irish examiner and uh, dominated by uh, a picture, uh, tears of joy and indeed sadness because uh, the pictures of Rebecca Walsh and Carmel Cowman uh, embracing uh, 64 colleagues uh, at St. Colman's uh, Community College in Middleton learned that they won 500,000 in uh, Tuesday night's Euro Millions drawn out of the school community. Sadly, still mourning Carmel's sister, Babe Barry, the teacher colleague who died unexpectedly in November, but... Uh, uh, Maeve, in fact, was part of the syndicate as well. Again, that story of Pascal Donoghue and uh, the headline in The Examiner today saying Donoghue showed disrespect for the Doyle to the Irish Indo, and uh, dominated by a picture of Ukraine's First Lady, Olina Zelensky. Uh, reacting at the World Economic Forum in Davos in Switzerland yesterday after hearing news of a helicopter crash in her home country in which the interior minister uh, died along with uh, others and indeed a child too uh, also on the examiner today news talk owner of bar media audio it company Ergo and UPMC, which run several private hospitals in Ireland, are among at least 12 companies that have failed to publish gender pay gap reports despite a legal deadline on December 31st. Also on the Indo today, interested to read that Leo Vradkar has indicated that a general election will be held in autumn of next year. The coalition could remain in office until the spring of 2025 to see out its full five-year term. But Mr. Vradkar has told Fine Gael TDs he doesn't want a winter election and hinted at an autumn 2024 election. So that's a quick look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to react to any of that, 083 311 3311 You can also leave us uh, voicemail on the um, on the WhatsApp 083 number. Yeah. Now, 12-year-old Art and Garl, uh, Cara Darmody, along with her dad, Mark, um, will spend one day a week in Leinster House in the continuation of her campaign to secure better services for families dealing with autism. She was there yesterday, and along with her dad, they joined me in studio. Now, good morning to you both, and thank you for coming in. Hello.
2: Hi, Frank.
1: How you doing, Cara?
2: I'm doing really good. How are you?
1: I'm very well indeed. All the better for seeing you. Tell me about yesterday in Leinster House. How did it go for you?
2: Well, Fran, what a day I had in Leinster House yesterday. I have unbelievable stories for you today. For anyone tuning in, I have a little bit of advice. Don't blink or you'll miss it.
1: <laughs> so lots, lots of info to come. So where can you even start, Cara?
2: So we're going to start with the juicy stories. Okay. So I was, so I met, so I met the tea shock outside the doll chamber, and oh my gosh, what a chat we had. And I got a special high-five and a handshake from him. And I advocated to him about the autism and disability world. Um, and I got to talk to him for a couple of minutes. And he listened to everything I said. And he was so nice and kind to me. And my daddy right beside me followed up with the more technical stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to get into that. And I told him that I would have a lot to say over the next couple of months.
1: Very good. And what did he say to you then? How did he react to that that you were going to adjudicate him in some way
2: well when i told him about the, i i, was, I told him that i was going to advocate for the autism disability world and yeah. he listened to me and he was just so nice to me in general
1: very good indeed and you you did the technical stuff then as Kara said mark um, but he he was welcoming to you both was he he was Yes. yes. He was. Look, I
3: suppose uh, it's not your average Wednesday for Cara to be <laughs> meeting the Taoiseach. It's not your, you know, your, your average day. But um, yeah. yeah, look, I suppose, we have to make a start. We have to, um, to get political change is going to be uh, near impossible. Like, yeah. It's just been up there. Cara, get to the stories of what happened next when he mm. went into the doll Chamber. But like it's um, to get anything done in this country. It's like the system is set up not to do things. It's right. checks and balances and that's clear. So. Red tape. Oh man, yeah, but it's, it's, that, it's yeah. like checks and balances really and it's just set up for things not to be done. Mm. So there's a, there's a long hard road ahead. I, I mean that was clear yesterday that it's not as simple as just a stroke of a pen although I still say certain things could be mm. um, but yeah, the political interest is Cara I get to, Maybe Cara if you say what happened in the chamber kind of yeah. sums up.
1: Because what, what a day you were in the doyle. there was a lot of Shenanigans going on, wasn't there, Cara?
2: Yeah. So, wait until you hear what happened next, Fran, okay. and everyone who's listening. So, um, he went in for leaders' questions yesterday, and the big sc- story was Minister Pascal Donahue's political donation. But sh- the problem was, is that the opposition weren't happy at all. And, believe it or not, Mary Lou attacked the Taoiseach straight away on that issue. Fran... It was some showdown. The T shock hit back to her, asking her to make a statement about the Jonathan Dowdall donation that Sinn Fein got. Yes. They went back and forth viciously. Fran, it was unreal. Then, wait for it, it got even worse. Then, the opposition wanted Minister Donahue to come in and answer their questions. Mm. But then they all started shouting and arguing over their speaking time. <laughs> so, in the end, the Kian Korla, who's the head of the doll, said, This is our first day back. The public are watching this. Will ye please behave? Fran, OMG! It was like watching little children fighting in the yard and the teacher giving out to them. It was absolutely crazy stuff. But it was some entertainment. You yeah. should have seen it.
1: I I loved. It. I saw it on TV, but I can't imagine what it must have been like to be there. What did you think of it, though? I mean, you have grown people behaving like as if they were, you know, school kids in a in a wild classroom or something.
2: It's just fascinating because people think that like like oh like the T shock like and they think like all these like ministers like oh like they're really mature, but to be honest. With you, but you, they're always like kind of fighting, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not like that. And when you go up there and see it, it's totally different to what you expect.
1: Right. What else have you for me? Because you promised me some gossip and all sorts of stuff. what Oh,
2: I have a got? lot more gossip. I'm not. E- I'm probably not even halfway through it yet. Okay. Okay. So after all of that stuff, the tea shock said something unbelievable as well. Actually, mm. one TD wanted a wealth tax brought in. The T shock then said that certain billionaires weren't as rich as people thought they were. He, he, and then he said they are all fur coat but no knickers. <laughs> Fran, I'm serious. He actually said that. You could even look it up online, it will probably come up. He actually said that. Everyone in the dolls started laughing. All the ministers and the TDs. Everyone was laughing. It was just unreal.
1: Very good. And it's all over the newspapers today. You must get a great kick out of that, that what you saw yesterday is all, you know, oh, re- yes. re- reflected in the newspaper cause, covers. Cause the today.
2: more things that they say, the more gossip I have for Tip FM.
1: <laughs> We're delighted to, to have all that gossip fresh from Leinster House. What else have you got for me?
2: So, I now I have some stories from from on from the disability world mm. so i got to meet the minister for spe- the, for special education and i spoke about the first thing is immediate immediate financial relief for parents paying privately for services and the second thing I brought up was a full review for carers allowance these are now being brought up as issues I will continue to speak out about these things that are necessary because they should already be there. Mm. Like, uh, what... Carers allowance has to be reviewed and, um, and parents shouldn't be paying for services that they're already entitled for.
1: Right and what reaction did you get uh, to that when you when you put that to the minister?
2: Look, she listened to me really nice and, you know, but I'm going to keep, like, talking about things until there's change made. All oh, right.
1: And do they know that you're going to be there every single Wednesday now? To do, yeah.
2: friend yeah. yeah. Got to yeah. do, yeah. And
1: look, I
3: suppose we have to be careful uh, because, like, Leinster House isn't um, isn't a place, um, y- you know, it's not a toilet that people just come and go. Uh, so I suppose we just have to show a bit of respect as well. Yes, as far, yeah, so of we're cookers, up there yeah. to kind of... But look, look, at this stage, she knows so many of them that they kind of approach her. Mm. Um, you know, like, she's certainly not going to be standing there and kind of jumping on people's backs. Mm. But, like, she did get a great reaction from the Minister for Special Education yesterday. So, like, this is actually the whole financial relief is something that we brought up with her previously. But again, it's so frustrating that it's taking so long mm. to get that uh, to a place where they can actually sanction it. And that's the problem here.
1: Yes. How will you measure the success uh, of this, Mark, over over a period of time? I mean, what, what are you looking for first to happen that will give you an indication that this is going to, to be positive? Yeah,
3: well, works? I suppose the first thing I'll say is this. It was even yesterday when we were having, having a cup of tea and I saw Minister Simon Harris there. And you just think his brother is the head of autism in this Mm. country Adam Mm. Harris Mm. and you would think like just to the naked eye couldn't Adam ring Simon and say bring it up tomorrow and let's just get the box ticked Mm. but when you think that Cara has the the, uh, support of national organisations family carers and as I am going in there and yet still like Simon Harris, who clearly wants to get these things done for his brother, can't get it done either. It just shows the enormity. Of course, it does. Because when when
1: Simon first got the gig in health back yeah. uh, all those years ago, I remember he did an interview with Marion Finucane, and he spoke about his brother. And he spoke very eloquently, in fairness, about his brother and the importance of acknowledging his brother's condition and all of that. I said, "This is fantastic. There's going to be change. It's going to mm. happen." It didn't happen. No, it didn't happen, no. You know? And that's the frustrating thing. I,
3: I, I mean, like Adam Harris would be wishing Cara, he's wishing her all the best yes. in her advocacy. And you kind of feel like turning around. So what hope has she if you can't if do you it? you can't do it. You know, it, yeah. but I suppose, look, what Cara has is that persistence now. She has it in her head. She's going to achieve change. Whether, and I'm
2: not going to stop. You're not
3: going to stop. Whether it takes her 100 Don't years old. Back now. There's no turning back now. Do you want to get to the grading, maybe a couple of the health the day? Well, yes, the, the tell,
1: tell me stories. about this because this is one of the things you told me last week that you're going to grade yes, uh, politicians. That would be
2: correct. Okay. So, Fran, and for all of the listeners, it's time for a little bit of grading now. <laughs> so, the first thing we'll talk about is health. It's been an awful couple of weeks for the health service. The trolley crisis is a total disgrace. They must have seen it coming from a million miles away. I will keep saying that the HSE management is totally and utterly unaccountable for what they are doing. And the numbers on trolleys is just one obvious example of how they are unable to manage. It was shocking when they told the Dáil Committee that they didn't know if people had died due to what was going on. So... The HSE is getting a big grade F this week. That's a massive fail in case if anyone is wondering.
1: Okay. Massive fail. HSE getting an F this week. Any more grades for me?
2: Yes. Unfortunately, Minister Donnelly is the minister in charge of health. In my opinion, he is the parent and the HSC is the child. He is simply failing to parent t- the child right now. He described the system this week as totally broken. Well, I'm sorry, Minister, but that book stops with you. You're the one in charge. It hasn't been a good week for you. So when people are suffering like that, you have to get the grade E.
1: Ooh. Okay, so that's not good. That's not good news for the minister. Okay, and I presume you'll keep an eye on him uh, uh, for future weeks as well, will you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: But it's not all bad news, Fran. Ah, Okay. The Minister for Justice, Simon Harris, was in the news big time yesterday as he is bringing in a new law. Very soon, you will get up to five years in jail if you in any way encourage children to take up crime. That could be very hard to prove, especially if it's a father and son involved. But at least he's doing something about children getting into crime. So, Minister Harris gets a grade C this week. It's not too bad. He's done okay. He's,
1: he's done okay. All right. I have a feeling that politicians are going to be shivering in their boots about this grading system for, for them, okay? Will you eventually Will you grade uh, Tipperary politicians as well over the next few weeks, do you think? Yeah, I
2: yeah. will. <laughs> finally, I, Fran. I can't
1: wait for this.
2: Finally, um, Fran. Yes. I just have to tell you, and this is the big gossip... There really is some tension between Fina Gale and Sinn Féin right now. The row in the doll yesterday is a sign of big things to come. They are really drawing battle lines for the next election. And you'll hear about the rows first right here on Tip FM. Mm -hmm. So, for next week, I think that Sinn Féin are signing me into the doll, So, I'll get some exciting stories from them. (laughs) I cannot... wait to bring lots of more excitement from Leinster House but Fran I have to say though you still get the big grade A
1: do I still <laughs> as I said to you the only grade A I ever got I can tell you it's lovely to see you Cara well done to you thank indeed. you so much and, and tell me when you see all the re-rogs going on in the door would you like to be part of all of that eventually would you like to be down there and you oh, know, yes. battling it out
2: with I'd love to you. be would down you? there I dream it
1: right so you think that's what you might do?
2: Well, I don't know what I'll do yet, but yeah. it's a possibility.
1: It's a
3: possibility, yeah. Could you see it happening, Mark? Could you? I don't, I don't know, Fran. It's yeah. very just, look, the last comment I'll make is just as a citizen of this country to see them all rowing and you're there thinking with all the issues we have and they were just all rowing yesterday over speaking time. Yeah. You know, that's where we are. They were more interested in sticking a knife in each other's throats rather than actually the issues and the problems. Now, I do understand that like, you know, political power and keeping that power but it, it's just, it's very disillusioned as just a member of the public sitting there with all the issues that we have and all the things that they could be doing but this is their focus, you know, it's just either taking down the minister or they're attacking the opposition, you know it, right. it's just, but, yeah. but
1: all of that debate time is wasted then because we're not seeing them deal with the really important stuff, you know
3: Yeah, that's basically sums it up like, like it's so hard for anyone to get an issue yeah. Uh, they are to be actually dealt with and agreed it's, it's, it's nearly impossible in this country to get uh, change for anything
1: My friend uh, Dr Conor Reedy from Nina was on uh, Cara and he says that they'd love to recruit you for the Nina Needs uh, an A&E campaign and uh, Conor goes on to say I feel that she might be able to get things done and put them all in line so there you are, that's from uh, Dr Conor Reedy in Nina today, well, it's, it's lovely to see you so we'll see you next week, will we? Yep,
2: really? you'll see me again next week for more gossip <laughs> and more grading <laughs>
1: We're looking forward to it. Cara and Mark, thank you so Super much indeed friend. for coming into us today. Thanks we so. always thank appreciate you. it. Thank Bye. you. Thanks. It's a 9.23. We'll be right back.
4: Tip today with Fran Curry <laughs> With
5: Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
4: Tip FM's tip today with Fran Curry. In
0: association with Slattery's of Facon Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Facon the name you can trust for over fifty years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Now Mary joins me. Mary, good morning to you. Hello, how are you? I'm very well indeed, Mary, and lovely to talk to you today. You come to
6: well.
1: You come to Clonmel a couple of times a week. Will you tell me why, Mary?
6: I do. I come into Clonmel uh... Two times, at, uh, Monday and Tuesday, I bring my daughter into. Uh, she goes to college mm-hmm. inside in Clamell, and instead of me driving in, driving out, driving in, driving out, I I stay there for the five hours while she's in in college.
1: Very good. So you walk the dog around the town. I walk is that the dog.
6: It? I bring my little dog with me, mm-hmm. and I walk around Clamell, and I have noticed the amount of not to be honest, the amount of poo mm. that's around the place is unreal. It's just absolutely like I live here in Killinall, mm-hmm. and we have um, there's three different places where you have poo bags mm-hmm. that you can pick them up. Yeah, and you know, and there's nothing in Camel, nothing. I would head off walking after I dropped my daughter. I would head off walking down by the bus station, mm-hmm. down past past um, what's called Carry On, whatever, and there's. Like the dog would obviously have to whatever
1: do his <laughs> business. Yes. Yeah,
6: and even the bins. The bins are so full you can't even put the poo bag into the bin.
1: My God! They're and so and wh- what time of the morning would this be, Mary?
6: This would be. I would arrive. I would drop. She is in college at by half past nine. Okay. And I, from there on, I I'd, I I'd, didn't care for half an hour. Listen to yourself obviously.
1: Thank you, Mary. And
6: then at uh, 10 o'clock then, myself and him would we'd head off and we'd walk for four hours wow. around Clomel. Wow. And, and I had been as far as, you know, the roundabout at Bulmers. I do. Up that far. And okay. um, back in and out, you name it, I had been, I know I know Clamel more than I know and
1: Right, well, why and wouldn't you with four hours of walking? But, but you're telling me the footpaths, though, destroyed a lot with, with yes, dog poo. Yes,
6: yes, yes. And what, what annoys me is um. Um. You know, we say if a dog stops up and has a sniff at whatever, like you know what I mean, they're not supposed to. They get a disease from yes. it, and mm. the whole lot, like no. And it just annoys me, like you know, just pick up the poo, like you know, right.
1: But you're telling me that the bins are all full as the well. Bins
6: are full. Yeah. There's um as we we're coming down uh, past the um the, the bus station. There's uh, I think it's a uh, boys' school, and there's a bin outside it. Right. And I have. Try to put the pool bag into the bin. No, it, there's no. I'm going around. Clamell with bags of pool.
1: And and why I asked you about the time, Mary was. I mean, obviously it's it's late enough in the morning. It's not too early for the bins to no. have been uh, yeah. emptied, or you know.
6: Yeah, no, but like you'd imagine to be empty. But what I can't understand is why is there not um uh, like uh, like I bring um pool bags with me. Yes. Getting a Mr. Price one fifty. Good and things. But. Like there's no facility for like anybody can forget about to bring down, just throw bag in your You know what I mean? But anybody can forget it, like I know, but, um, it's just, you know. But it's just, oh, it's just, it's disgusting to be honest with you. Now, to be honest, with you.
1: so it's it's bad enough for you to make a call to us, Mary. So, yeah, no, so I was,
6: I, I, I you know, it's, and it, like I'm uh, dropping my daughter in in the last maybe six months. Yes. And it's getting to me now. At this stage, now it's actually it's annoying me. you held to pick up after your dog, like? You and know?
1: Mary, yeah. have you seen dog owners allow their dogs to do their business and, and I just have walk seen away? A have I you have
6: seen a cop? And, and I look here. Look, I'm from lol, I'm not a clubhouse person.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: I don't want to interact with anybody yeah, or yeah. Ca- yeah. cause any kind of bother or anything like that. Like you know, but you know, it's just I, I just don't get it. Like right. I don't get it. Like.
1: Right. and what do you put it down I mean is it just carelessness and they couldn't give a I hoot
6: about it? people don't do care like you know and like now in fair enough now I'm not saying it's all Clamel or whatever mm, or callers yeah. whatever like I've often come out I live on the, on the street in Killingall I live on River Street mm. and I come out my door and walk into a person who didn't pick up after their dog like right. do you know what I mean like yeah. it's, not, it's just common sense, they like, pick up that somebody.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, obviously I feel for you, Mary, but people with buggies or people with wheelchairs or the like, you know, I mean, it's really dreadful for them.
6: It is, yeah, because there's nothing not as bad. Yeah. They're trailing it in around the house. Oh, stop, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's cruel. It's absolutely cruel. Like, i my little lad here now, and, like, he goes out in the garden. I have a very small garden, and um anytime he goes out, I pick up, and that's
1: it, like, you know, just get rid of it like, you know, it, it's not, it's not, it's not plastic, like. Of course, and if you get into the habit of doing it properly, you'll yeah, continue to yeah, do it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and do you not see any sort of a dispenser for, for bags around Clonmel at all?
6: No, 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 no. And as I said to you, I have, I walk for four hours. I have been down by the poppy fields, I've been down by... Uh, the showgrounds. I've been down by the the, the what's called the um the roundabout, the Bullmers, and the whole lot. Mm. Not, the Waterford not, Road there. Yeah, yeah. I do see there's little um yellow writing, with a dog pick up your poo. Right. But there's no poo. There's no poo bags. No poo bags. Absolutely yeah. no poo bags, and there's. An awful lot
1: of poo. All right. <laughs> well, well, the the, the councillors around town here, they tend to listen to us, Mary. So hopefully we'll get a response from them and we will pass that on to you. Is that okay? But you're making a very good point. And your message to people out there who have dogs and people walking them around the town is what, exactly? Just
6: keep up the poo, like. Yeah. It's, not, it's not... You don't need to go to Mr Price for the poo bags or anything. Any bag, any central bag or whatever, like, you know. Just pick it up, like, you know. I didn't, it, you know
1: what I mean? Just pick up the poo. Just
6: pick because it's rotten like <laughs>
1: It is. It is indeed, Mary. That's for sure. sure. It was a delight to talk to you, Mary. Oh, and you, you look me. after yourself. And thank and you. you
6: as well, Pat. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye bye bye to so Mary. Bye
1: bye you, Mary. Bye-bye now. That's Mary talking to us from Killinall uh, this morning um, in Clonmel a couple of times a week. And that's her experience. Poo everywhere from uh, the dogs. How do you feel about that? 1,800 Now, a popular Tipperary shop has announced a closing down sale and Councillor Anne-Marie Ryan confirmed the news on Facebook that Wellworths on the main street in Tipperary Town has announced uh, that they are closing down and uh, by way of commentary on that, she said very sad news for the town seeing the loss of a brilliant and well-loved shop in the heart of the town. Local community activist and journalist with the Nationalist newspaper Martin Quinn joins me now. Martin, good morning to you.
7: Morning, friend.
1: And um, you, you commented yourself uh, on Facebook about this. That's very sad news, Martin, isn't it?
7: Yes, it is indeed, and it's not just uh, one shop there, friend. Of course, because uh, Kingston's yes. just down from us is closing as well. So two shops there within within short distance of one another. And uh, it's a very sad day, I think, for Tipperary to see, for the main street uh, particularly, to see two shops closing. And, I, I, you know, Fran, I think that um, people will have known that uh, Wellworth uh, last year, there was uh, difficulties there yes. and they managed uh, to, to keep going. And uh, But the, they're, they're up against so much there in, in Tipperary um, that it's very difficult to keep a, a, a shop trading there on the main street.
1: What do you put it down to, Martin? Because you've been looking at this for a lot of years and we've been hoping for the best for Tipperary town. What do you put it down to? Because there's so many vacant shops now on the main street.
7: Yes, well of course uh, the traffic is is playing a huge role in it I mean there is no doubt but the, the town is choked with traffic from one end of the town to the next and people are not stopping you know, they're not stopping there along the main street and um, they can't they can't stop because they're caught, in, they're caught in traffic all the time and it just makes it too difficult I think, and of course as well there are they, has been, if you like, an explosion of um, um, other businesses on the outskirts of the town, and that's great, you know, for mm. for, for those businesses. And uh, but but like other town centres, other town centres are experiencing the same thing as Tipperary, where there is uh, development on the outskirts of the town, and it's just very unfortunate I think for, for Tipperary town that we've to witness the closing of Wellworth, which as you mentioned there is such a well loved Uh, premises in the town and uh, Kingston's as well which of course is a very long history it's no longer Kingston's of course Mm. it's under a new lease but uh, it has a very long history again in the town.
1: Absolutely Um, in terms of the revitalisation committee and the task force and all of that then uh, Martin, I mean we all had great hopes for that but I mean should we be questioning the, 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 the work being done by them now? Well I think
7: that the, the developments uh, from the from the task force uh, have been very welcome. You know the, the the major developments, but I think the thing that people will be concerned about is is jobs bringing jobs into the town. Yeah. I think that's, that's the thing that concerns everybody. It's the bread and butter issues, you know, and we have to look at how we can uh, bring jobs and workforce and footfall into into the town. And I think there, that's the main issue. You know, what the task force have been doing has been brilliant. And, you know, we've looked at the developments of the murals and the 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 um, the prairie hills and mm. all that um, and the development the, the, of the market the market, yard and,
1: the, yeah. the market
7: yeah. yard and all of that they've been mm. wonderful and uh, I think but. What will concern people the most is, and and it's the one thing that comes up a lot, I think, on Facebook is is about jobs, yes. jobs in the town.
1: You see, aesthetics are fine, and you can have pretty looking buildings and all of that, and pretty looking murals. But at the end of the day, as you say, where where are the jobs? That's that's it. Yeah, it? yeah,
7: yeah. I mean, as I said, these are these are the, the bread and butter issues. These are the issues that concern people, and um, there there is. Uh, great plans and everything in relation to to the town development but but we have to have jobs and we have to look at bringing industry even small industry uh into the town i mean if you look at even the the um the development at the outskirts of the town mm. with the the shopping centres and that i mean that there is a lot of people employed in that particular mm. area yes. you know yeah. There is a lot of people employed, and
1: the supermarkets in the town itself, of course. yeah, as
7: well. yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you if you if you go up there up the Limerick Road as it were, and you look at all the all the different um, uh, outlets that are there, I mean, there is a lot of people employed from there right up to to the Limerick Road, you know, to the development there uh, at the roundabout, mm. and uh, there is a lot of people uh, already employed there. But we need to look at. As bringing uh, further development into the town, small industry I think is is a key thing for for Tipperary, and we're probably never going to be in a situation where we have a few hundred jobs maybe coming in in one burst. Yes, of whatever into the town, we would hope that it would, but but we le- need to look I think and 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 hope that there would be smaller smaller industry that could bring maybe fifty or a hundred jobs. Um, and bring bring further development into the town, and I think that the main street, in particular, you know, to walk along the main street and to see shops closing, closed, and notices of closing down, is very demoralising. I think for the town, and uh, and, and like to some towns,
1: towns are doing, Martin. Do we need to relook at what we expect from a town centre now? Maybe some of those premises could be turned into to housing, to apartments, to, to that kind of... Maybe we need to re-look at what we uh, what we want a town centre to be.
7: Yeah, I think so. I think so, and there, there has been a lot of um, uh, reports and everything in relation to, to town centres and how we envisage their development. And, I mean, if you look at the, the Irish house there, there's going to be apartments mm. there. You know, and I think that will uh, bring bring life to the town as well. I think that's very important um, that where where there is buildings uh, vacant, that they uh, be, be made available for use. And uh, again, you look at the 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 old glove factory. I mean, there will be apartments yes. there as well. And I I I think that we need to welcome all of those uh, developments and to say that they're very good for the town. And you're bringing people into it, um, but but you do need to have football, and you do need to have businesses along there on the main street. And um, the town centre is very important. Yeah. I think it's a very important part of life for everybody, and yes. we do need need a thriving, a good town centre and a good um, uh, development there uh, in relation to, to where people can come in and shop. And I mean. Uh, I, I did a, a kind of a little project there, coming up to to Christmas, friend, where I just uh, I photographed the windows. Uh, along the town, uh, the town I, centre. I saw that, a lovely idea too. Yes.
1: Yeah, In fact, Wellworths came out very well out of that, yes. didn't
7: they? Yeah. Yes, it was fantastic. Yeah. And Wellworths won, they, they gave an overall prize, I think, there in the town, mm. and, and Wellworths won. And the town looked fantastic, yes. you know, it, it really did. And, and the businesses made a great effort there to showcase the town, the town centre. And now... This news uh, in the last uh, twenty-four hours is is very upsetting, yes. I think, for everybody. And,
1: and what about the morale? And again, you would know this, Martin. I mean, what about the morale among the existing business people now? Because I spoke to a former businesswoman uh, yesterday on the program. She had a, a premises out there on the Limerick Road, and she said that you know, there's no help, there's no supports, there's not for for businesses in the town. Um, would you go along with that? Yeah,
7: I. I I think that there needs to be better support. I think that you know that there has been support in relation to um you know painting and enhancement of of buildings and that you know along the along the town mm. and uh, I think that that is very important, but I think there needs to be support for for businesses. Um, in relation to 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 rates for instance and all of that um because any any anyone setting up a, a business now in the town will need will need support for for twelve months initially I think to try and get their business off the ground and uh, for anyone even contemplating a business you know to see one 's closing will 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 send them of course, the other it's, direction. It's the wrong
1: you know? message, isn't it? it? Is,
7: it really it really is. is. Yeah. So th- there needs to be a scheme of of support for 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 businesses, uh, particularly for ones trying to start up.
1: Right. Have you any detail for me on when Wellworths I know they're having a closing down sale at the moment. Any any detail on when the doors will shut?
7: I I haven't heard as to when the the Place will will close mm. uh, eventually, uh, but I suppose they're in the throes of it. And I mean, for for the staff there and for the staff in Kingston's, some who've been there yeah. seventeen years and twenty more than twenty years, and um, for the staff in in both places, it's it's uh, a real blow to them, and it is a real blow to their families. You know, and um, uh, you would just hope maybe. Uh, you'd be you'd be holding out a hope maybe that somebody would come in and uh, take take a lease of it and and start up a business there, um, whether it's one of the major major other businesses that we know mm. around mm. Um, or, or whatever. But but it I think well what particularly has been such a. It's a kind of a key place along the main isn't it? Street, I, I always it? thought
1: so too. Yeah, yes.
7: yeah. It, it's just one that attracts the eye all the time, and and it's one that people look at. And even in relation to what we did there at Christmas and photographing the windows, it's the one that that the eye is drawn to and I, I think that it would be a real shame to see that closed uh, indefinitely.
1: Wouldn't it just? You know uh, a yeah. business that I think never gets the full credit either because it's always colourful and fantastic is Ryan's Music Shop. I think it's a fantastic shop to have there at the entrance into, into the main street, you know. Uh,
7: yes, and particularly with the with The mural, the mural there is gorgeous there. Yeah, yeah, the really it's absolutely wonderful yeah. and, and you know there is so much, even if you look at the tidy Town reports and there's so much positivity you know in relation to, to the work that's been done there and to the approach roads into the town and that and that's why it's it's so heartbreaking to see the town center and and businesses closing
1: there for sure one one listener just uh, reacted to what you're saying martin and saying it's not going to help that uh, rates are going up by 5% this year so i mean the, you know hitting businesses all, all of the time i suppose
7: yeah yeah and as i said there, i think that particularly you know if you were i must considering uh, opening a business you know in the town would be looking to see how much support we could get to do that you yes. know and I, I i think that we need to to look at how we can support uh, small businesses particularly and businesses that are in the town yeah. and that are struggling at the moment. For sure. you know we, we can't forget that
1: either. Martin, we always appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on with me today, Martin. Thank you. Thank and you, Frank. Good morning yeah. to you, Martin Quinn, their local community activist and, of course, a very fine uh, journalist with the Nationalist newspaper as well. So we want to wish Tony... And Maureen, the very, very best in whatever they decide to do now. But uh, the the shop will be sadly missed indeed on the main street there in Tipperary town. We'll take a break. Back in a moment.
4: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry. In
0: association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie.
4: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today
1: on 1 800 938 007. Lots of people agreeing with uh, Mary about the dog poo in uh, Clonmel for sure. Uh, we'll try and find out a little bit more about the availability of the poo bags uh, as to whether or not they're available from some kind of a dispenser in the town. We'll also try and find out about the bins and why they appear to be uh, full at about 10 or half past 10 in the morning. Um eighteen hundred nine three eight double oh seven. Now when it comes to health, housing, education, we were just talking to Carla, I suppose, about advocacy for various different things. Um are we slow to take to the streets? Well, we asked our listeners to share thoughts on that and Noel joins me now. Noel, good morning to you. Good morning,
8: friend, and thanks very much for having me.
1: You're very welcome. Lovely to talk to you today, Noel. Are we slow um, to get out on the streets and make our feelings known?
8: Yes, friend, we are. We are too, we're too slow to, to answer and too slow to speak up in a lot of ways. Uh, for one reason, we don't know what we're entitled to. Hmm. In general, we do not know what we're entitled
1: to. Yeah, that's a very good point because we were speaking about orthodontics yesterday and the notion of being able to uh, go up north to get work done because there's a six-year waiting list down here, and people were not aware of it. No, now
8: one thing that I noticed yesterday, do you know this uh, this grant or the scheme that just uh, was announced last May for di- uh, the our dental the dentist? Yes, we didn't know anything about it. I only done research on it yesterday when when I got the text message from your your re, your researcher from Emma yeah. and I and I only noticed that that was available since last May. I went into the local social welfare office and I was told, no, the public won't be paying for this.
1: Yeah, it, 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 the best of my knowledge is it's obviously for for children for for under. Uh, 18, well, I think it is. I it, say, it,
8: yeah. it says on the website that we're, everybody's entitled to it. Oh, does it? 18. Okay. okay.
1: Yeah. I stand corrected. Okay. Yeah, so, but, so,
8: so, no, I'm, not, I'm not trying to over you now. No, no. But, no, but no. that's what it says on, on it, that we're entitled, everybody's entitled to
1: it. Right. So, And the criteria for it, is it still that, you know, you just have too long a wait uh, here is that is that what it yes, is? Yes, that's, that's okay. what I pick up from it. All right, interesting indeed.
8: But, but we are too slow to go on the streets to, to protest.
1: Right, but is it effective to go on the streets? Now, most people will point to the water charge uh, protest, and I suppose that did work, didn't it? Well,
8: speaking to people down down through the years, like um, what what they're saying is, if we, if they do go to the streets, that it will come against them to get anything that they want. Mm. Down the line, like say, well, I'll give an example. If they saw me on the street and I went to the say, to the hospital in the morning, uh, mm. the they'll say to me, "Oh, you were on the street there. We're not going to give it to you. That that sort of way it'll come against you all the time." That's that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from people.
1: But I I wonder because if it's an, I I remember being part of the um, the Save Our Hospital campaign all those years ago in Clonmel, and thousands of people took to the streets. And in fairness, it saved as it was at the time. It saved St Joseph's, you know. Yes. So maybe we need to organise ourselves a bit better.
8: Well, most definitely, and do like for one thing that we we need to go out and get a lot more information, saying what we are entitled to, friend.
1: Yes. Now, I know the Citizens Information, in fairness, they're a fantastic organisation yeah. um, to to give out what we are entitled to and to let us know what we're entitled So, maybe we need to be using that more.
8: Yeah, well, I do see that the majority of them, you to ring up a free phone number now where you're waiting a couple of couple of minutes, all right. But, right. Like, our own local office is not open, say, in the mornings.
1: Is it not? Okay. No. So, it's a, a so, limited amount of time. Are you the kind of person, Noel, who, who would take to the streets?
8: Most definite. Right. Most definite I would. And I and I wouldn't I wouldn't let anyone push me around either, like that sort of
1: way. Right. right. That's
8: right. I i i I'll stand up for what I'm entitled to.
1: Okay. And and how do you feel I mean at the moment I mean we were talking there about the fact that Doyle was caught up with argy-bargy between the political parties over the Pascal Donahue um uh, debacle yesterday when they probably should be talking about things that are really important like housing well, Else? The
8: thing with Pascal Dono is a pissy thing. They shouldn't be talking about that in the doll. First of all, that should be done in, in back room.
1: The Sipals right? should be looking at you, sh- you should be left to them, is that it?
8: Yeah, left to them, let them iron it out themselves. But on public television, they should be ironing out what's affecting the the nation of Ireland. Yeah. Say for instance, I'll give an example, roads, hospitals, education, social welfare, um Electricity, housing.
9: yeah,
1: yeah,
8: things like that. That's what they should be arguing out in the doll. not arguing over expenses from 2016.
1: Yeah, and uh, and it appears as if they're trying to trying to point score points off each other.
8: Yes, uh, and the, the all they want is one TD out. Yes, for them to have an election again.
1: Right, but of course we're talking already, Leo Varadkar is talking about the, the next general election and it looks like it's going to be autumn of uh, next year. So you can expect this kind of thing, Noel, whether we like it or not for well, for for the well, coming couple of years, you know.
8: Well, look, uh, to be honest, here, if any TD comes around to a door, they're going to get it hot and heavy. Will they? They will. And from speaking to neighbours around here, they said that they will not be voting because they, what what happened to them, they, like, with rents going up, like, say for instance, the 12 euros we got now, right? mm Yesterday, I got a letter in the door saying there's a rent review. Hmm. So that €12 Euros we got now is now gone.
1: Right, because a rent review is never about costing you less. It's always about it, it, costing you more, isn't it?
8: Costing us more. Like, say, well, when I moved into a house, my rent was only €35. Euros. A week? A week. Now it's gone to €90 Euro a week.
1: Over over what space of time?
8: Over over a four-year period. Wow. Wow. No, that's that's the kind of thing, though, no, that they will get on the doors. Because they, they, they were asked to rent-freeze yes.
1: the, uh, the, well, they, they, the rent. They did, but only in certain zones, yeah. Only and in and certain zones. You,
8: but you they didn't. Like, say, for instance, I've given Tipperary. Yeah. They're pay- I hear some people are paying chaotic money for rent.
1: Yeah. Do you think, I mean, are you representative of a lot of people you know, Noel? Is there a lot of anger, and are, are people feeling badly done to out there?
8: Oh, yes. Uh, like, well... I, I go to my local every Monday night, right down here in Finnan mm. and I do hear people giving out about the way they were treated. Yeah, they weren't entitled to this. That they, they, an awful lot of I hear is come up with the pup payment. Yes, friend. Again, if they go to the streets talking about the pup payment, they're afraid they'll be affected. Mm. And I, it's just that the whatever way it has happened, they're afraid to come up and say, "Oh, I'm out of work now." ABC. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to go into details, but things like that, friend, that's what they're afraid of.
1: All right, Noel. Well, it's good to talk to you and it's good to know that uh, where protests are concerned, you would actually take to the streets yourself. Most definitely. All right. Noel, look after yourself and Gauramilamah, good to talk to you uh, today. Uh, One of our listeners was on to us about the uh, orthodontics uh, discussion that we had yesterday.
10: Hi, good morning, Fran and listeners. I just want to say thank you for your show yesterday. It was very informative and helped me a lot. Um, On the back of your show, with your callers and sharing the cost and the experience of our orthodontic clinics here in Ireland, and then the cross-border initiative. I rang Matthew McGrath's office, I spoke with a lovely receptionist who in turn put me on to a lady called Vivian. She is a fantastic lady. My experience was 100% everything she spoke to me about. Um, she followed through with, I got my appointment, everything was sorted, spoke with the clinic within an hour. So to say that I'm absolutely thankful um, for the information on your show yesterday and to Matthew McGrath's team. I really appreciate it. Now my son is, is pleased God going to be on the system and um, I look forward to him getting sorted for his braces. So thank you very much.
1: Well, you're extremely welcome indeed and we were delighted to be of uh, help uh, to you where that uh, was concerned. Um, Fran, Mary, you're so correct about the dog poo. I recently run along the... I regularly run along the Inner Relief Road from the Care Road roundabout down to Bulmer's roundabout, and it's just disgusting. I saw a woman walking two dogs recently. The two dogs did their business on the footpaths near the Cashel Road roundabout. Then the woman just walked on with her dogs and told me to F off when I said it to her. That comes in from Graham uh, this morning. Somebody else on that as well saying, Mr. Price and the Maxi Zoo have the poo bags, and that's where I buy them. Although my dog wouldn't go for a walk if I paid her. (laughs) <laughs> but I do use them for the backyard to clean up after her. Well, thank you very much indeed for that. Um, news and information's on the way.
4: Tip today with Fran Curry
5: With Slattery's Garage, poke on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 or or slatterysgarage.ie
4: If... Tip today with Fran Curry
5: with Slattery's Garage Puck On. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage Puck On on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
1: Thanks very much, Pat. David was on to us. David spoke to me yesterday and gave some great advice about uh, orthodontics and about uh, the cross-border um, service that is available uh, to uh, people under certain criteria. But he was back on to me today to make sure that we mentioned the fact that Michael Lowry and his team were instrumental in setting him on uh, the right path for that cross-border uh, directive, uh, where David's daughter was concerned. And we're we're happy to do that, David. And we wish you well. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. The text to WhatsApp 083 three, three double one double three double one. Siobhan is in Nina. She was on to say, it's disgusting to walk on footpaths where dog owners don't clean up after them. Uh, dog walking shouldn't be allowed in towns. So many buggies, wheelchairs, um, the stuff going on, shoes, um, and that could take the poo into the houses. Surely cameras in towns could pick up owners of these dogs. That's Siobhan who's in uh, Nina today. Oh eight three three double one double three double one. Now a lack of Uh, GPs could hinder efforts to expand free GP care to all according to findings from the ESRI. I spoke to uh, Dr. Pat Harold about this during the week. Now, the study found that providing free GP access to all citizens in 2026 could cost the state between £381 and £881 which is a fair old spectrum. Um, But seemingly it's very hard to pinpoint the exact cost. But currently free GP care care even is offered to young children and medical card holders. Now we asked our listeners their reaction to this on Facebook and Smiranda joins me now. Miranda, good morning to you.
11: Good morning friend, how are you? I'm
1: very well indeed and I hope... Thank I fi- you for
11: having me.
1: You're you're extremely welcome and lovely to talk to you again. Um, you believe that the primary medical care system in this country, it's completely inefficient, Miranda. Why so?
11: Yes, that's my belief and it's unfortunate because there are so many great things in this country but unfortunately when it comes to health um, we are um, far from where we could be and can be it's not even a should we can it's something so for me it's common sense uh when i hear that uh the emergency departments are so full and the people are on trolleys i'm thinking why people are getting there and like one person who was like i i was i was dealing with any mm. because when i went to the gp uh i was told the fastest way to get care is to go to N I uh, that's wrong.
1: That was the advice you got?
11: Yes. Right. So uh, that that's wrong. So that tells me that all the GP and I'm going to say something that probably won't land well in some some with some people, but um or the primary care uh, person or advisor first lane is overwhelmed and when i'm saying overwhelmed i'm saying are they not prepared is my question Mm. or are they afraid or are they not enough responsible enough or why do they not take responsibility for treating what they should from from my point of view like i mean on the case of uti or another thing is when you're going, for example, um, I'm talking about my personal. That's why I, I men- mentioned a diagnosis. Yes. So when Jan, you say, for example, I have UTI and I want to uh, get um, the right antibiotic, I need to wait one week. While if I'm going in A&E and I queue for 24 hours or more, I get in the immediately the antibiotic because the... the uh, urine test is straight away and I have the results and uh, I I get that. Right, so, but
1: if you go through your GP you have to wait for that test to, we, to come back. A Okay, And in the meantime you still have your condition that's probably wor- exactly, worsening at that point.
11: Exactly, and yes. I treat the symptoms and still the infection is there and I can end up in a and with serious symptoms. <laughs> fever or worse than that.
1: And is this, do you think, because GPs, Miranda, are overwhelmed and they they just have too many people looking for their help? I
11: think uh, I'm always um, looking at the solution. You know that I am a very positive person and I'm trying to look at the positive things. Um, My solution is to have someone who can assess, if it's not a GP, hire another nurse if the GP we are lacking in, in this in, the mo- in this moment in time in the country. Mm. And I understand are only certain hours in the day when you can. And the thing, uh, or nurse, or someone who has a medical... Um, um, Qualification, yes. Yes, yes. From, uh, yes. Uh, to, say, to assess a person with UTI or with primary, like, causes like... Um, Tonsillitis diagnosis like primary diagnosis what to avoid this to go ahead like a pharmacist can a pharmacist have to like get a communication with a doctor and say okay this person has uti because what the doctor test the urine with the strip i can do myself at home
1: yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about the pharmacy because Jimmy O'Sullivan is a pharmacist and he often contributes to the program. But he was telling me that we're the only country in Europe, Samaranda. So where a, if like if you're on an antibiotic, you go to the pharmacy, uh, the pharmacist discovers they don't have that particular antibiotic, but he knows that another one will be equally suitable. He cannot give you that without you going back to the doctor for another prescription. Now, this is the I only know. country where that happens. So, therefore, you're back for a second visit.
11: Exactly. So, I'll give you another example. My case, two weeks ago, rang the doctor. I have symptoms of you rang the doctor, I need my urine to be tested. I give you an appointment. I don't need an appointment, I said to the, uh, the receptionist. And I was working in a GP practice for three years.
9: Mm.
11: And in a, so I was a medical secretary. I know exactly what what the system is. So I said, I do not need an appointment. I need to bring the sample to be tested and to give me the answer if or not and take the, test, the urine to the lab. That's all I need. Why was wasted
1: an appointment? That's my question. Very interesting indeed. Tell me, I, I hope you don't mind me invading your privacy, but you did tell us that you, you're a medical card holder. You don't use it that I, much. Uh, yeah. and, and when it comes to to medical care for yourself, you tend to go private even though you know you'd be hard-pressed To pay for it i suppose
11: i went and i went because i don't i'm not willing to wait um a month or 10 days i was a case when as a medical card card holder uh, a few years ago i went to romania to have the colonoscopy because i wasn't willing to wait Hmm. uh until the hospital and it cost me uh, the flight and but i don't complain i'm thankful but i for a person who is mindful of health, the way how the, work, the health system in Ireland works is not good enough. Or if I need a, an ultrasound, I'm going to Whitfield, UPMC. Because it, what's the point? to Wait. I'm waiting and I suffer.
1: And do you think it's a nonsense then to talk about the notion of providing free GP access to all citizens by 2026? Because the system couldn't cope with it.
11: Of course, like, I mean, wouldn't be any nonsense, it would be a great uh, plus, but can an overwhelmed system already can cope with that? That's the simple question. Because as a a medical card holder, I cannot access the dental uh, care. I cannot access, I don't have a dentist because they can't not, when I had a problem two years ago, I had to pay. I said, just ignore that I am a medical card holder.
1: Yeah, it's 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 inter- and we heard a lot about. And dentists. I am
11: blessed that I, my circumstances as a single parent, that's why I am card medical card yes. which actually expire this year. And thankfully, I am okay with no medical card. But uh, I, do you understand where I am coming from? It's I a do. person who, of course, I care about my. And when I need the care, that's the moment when I want to use the card. And can I do... like Yeah, visit the GP, they're covered. But if you had need an extra, a little bit, or uh, an ultra, ultrasound or any, any mm. other, mm. should ultrasound should be in the GP practice. That's full stop.
1: So Miranda, great to talk to you. And you look after yourself. And thank you for your time yeah,
11: this morning. Thank you so much. Thank and you, Miranda. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye to bye you bye now. Bye. You're very welcome indeed, any time at all. Uh, Catherine is with us. Catherine, good morning to you. Morning, Brian. I think, Catherine, you'd like the idea of a free GP access, but you're sort of concerned that it just couldn't happen, really.
12: No. Yeah. No, no. Um, Fran, can I say something? Of course you can. Um, no, it's just that I um, was with my own GP. Now, my own GP, and I'm not mentioning any name. No, no. But I've been since, uh, wait now, January 2021... Mm. I have been in and out of our pain, Come, I know I'm going to come in. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I've no GP, and once we have our locum. Mm. Um, I was with him there about the week after Christmas. I was with him, and I was getting an injection into my leg because I suffer with bad back pain. Mm. And he wasn't actually nice. He just said to me, he just took the fund knee injection and said, you'll be all right. And I couldn't walk home. And, I you,
1: and you, were, you were in pain, Catherine, were you? I
12: was in you know, a lot of pain, friend. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and tell me, I mean, you said that one part of you w- would be saying that, yeah, it would be great to have GP, GP. Ac- yeah, access yeah, and it, stuff, but you, yeah, you couldn't I'm, see it happening, could you?
12: No, not yeah. the way the things are going at the moment,
1: Fran. No. Right. And ha- is it hard for say, if you want to get an appointment now, is that difficult for you?
12: Yeah.
1: Does yeah. it take?
12: You have, to, you, you have to ring, and sometimes if you ring, they mightn't even answer the phone. Yeah.
1: Because they're 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 obviously so busy as well. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And and what do you feel? You, you said something to us about elderly people as well, and and
12: yeah. not well, not I being mean, able to wait. Hey, if, say you have an elderly. Like I'll explain. My mother. My mother is a, is a, well. She's a, she's a good age. Hmm. But I won't say what age she is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But she she has never now as long as I've known, she's never been in a hospital. She's never been at well. She's been at her doctor's. But apart from that, she has never been at anything.
1: Right.
12: And, friend, she has been very good to me all during this thing. That I have
9: right
12: she's been there for me to contain it. it was only yesterday I was actually talking to her about this problem
1: and is she concerned about it Catherine
12: she is yeah, she is shes worried about me
1: right, but she's lucky herself in that she's a healthy woman, is she she is oh,
12: oh, that's Jesus, great. Friend, friend. she shes around me
1: isn't that, isn't that great though that she's healthy at, at, at her age you know that's brilliant yeah. to know.
12: Especially when she has grandchildren
1: running around after her. Ah, yeah, sure, that's that's fantastic for her. It must be a joy for her. Indeed. It is. But Catherine, you, is. you have general issues anyway with primary care in general, do yeah. you?
12: Yeah.
1: Yes, I do. All right. Yeah. Catherine, good to talk to you today and thank you so much indeed for your time. Uh, Patrick was on and he said that lady is so right. Primary care is falling apart in Ireland. The, the system is failing people really, really badly Indeed, that's it to us on 0833113311. Back in just a moment.
4: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In
0: association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie
5: Tip
4: Today.
1: Now listen around to say I'd love you to bring up the subject of the taxi services in temporary towns, especially in Nina. It's disgraceful for any country people. You just can't get home. I live nine kilometres outside of Nina and the taxis will not take us home because it's too far and they can make more money in the town. It's just disgraceful to say that you can't go to your local town over the weekend because there's no way home. So there you go. What's your experience of that? Do you want to share with us on that O oh, eight three three double one double three double one uh Mary? to us to say there's plenty of dog poo bags in supermarkets and um uh dog doings on the footpaths. It's disgusting. People don't care. Why have dogs if you won't clean up after them? Tracy is with me. Good morning, Tracy.
13: Good morning, Fran. Thanks for having
1: me. Uh, you're very welcome indeed, Tracy. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're on a subject now that's very close to my heart indeed. Um, uh, You're seeing people walking around in the dark mornings. No high-vis? No, they can't be seen?
13: Yes. I, I went out to Kalengu yesterday. And with the roads and the condition, especially those roads... Yeah, very, very, very
1: slippy, I believe, yesterday.
13: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Very, very slippy. And I had a van speeding down the road and I had to pull in. And I didn't stop for ages. If there had to be a person on the road, I could have hit them. Wow. Uh,
1: and, and none what, of
13: them have high vis.
1: Yeah. And is that your general experience that there's. Yes. The, yeah.
13: uh, even on the roads around the county, out Temple Moor Roads, Temple Roads, even going to Clonmel and Nina, yeah. you see people out in the roads and none of them are wearing high vis vests. Some do. You get the odd few that do and on bikes and everything. And they don't have high vis. or even helmets.
1: Yeah, why do you think I mean you know even this morning on, on the Clonmel bypass and that's where I seem to see most people uh, without high vis but I mean even this morning a guy was in all dark clothing trying to cross at one of the the, the crosses oh, there you know you
13: even see it in Curlis and they'd be walking around the town crossing the roads um, on the Jimmy Doyle road Yeah. And they cross and they're in dark clothes and you're like oh my god I, I do have heart attacks,
1: but you'd wonder about them. I mean, are they ever in a car themselves to to witness what it's like and, and how wonder, difficult it is these to see? Drive? Yeah,
13: I actually do wonder: do they drive? Because clearly, they don't understand if they did.
1: Yeah, the other thing I've come across quite a bit of as well over the last few months are people on these little small scooter things, and again, not wearing high vis. So,
13: yes, I've you know. seen that once or twice too. Um yeah. they also don't wear helmets. Because if you come off those things and you hit the road, you're going to wallop your head first.
1: Absolutely. You're also making the point, Tracy, that the road, the condition of the roads at the moment. Are you, are you noticing that potholes everywhere? And
13: there's potholes and between the ice and the potholes, it, they're very dangerous. Mm. As, as yesterday, it took me a long time to stop when that van was speeding down the middle of the road. I had to pull in and stop, yeah. and I, I hit an icy patch, and I literally went sliding along the road. Yeah. And the other point I was making is you can get High Vis Best in any guard station. You can walk in and ask for them, and they'll give them to you for free. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the guardie have told us that on several occasions, that they are absolutely free. And so there's no excuse. I mean, is there that, is
13: no excuse for anyone not to have one. Yeah. Or two in their car. Like I have them in my car. And there's quite often different events on where they give out High Vis Best.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you don't even have to pay for these things, and they can no. easily uh, keep you alive. And and uh, the other thing, too, is if somebody's knocked down and, God forbid, killed, the motorist will always be the one blamed. You yeah, know?
13: And, and the motorist have to live with that for the yeah. rest of their life. Yeah. yeah. Like, if I hit someone, God forbid, I would be absolutely traumatized for the rest of my life.
1: Mm. Of course you would. Of course you would. And have you had close shaves over the last I have one? had yeah.
13: close shaves. I came around a bend out on the Temple Toohy Road and there was a cyclist right in front of me and I had to swerve around him. Luckily there was no car or nothing on the other side of the road.
1: Right. And was the cyclist out out far? On
13: yeah. The, on the, yeah okay. Not. He wasn't out too far. Again, there was luck on both our sides. He mm. was in enough for me to be able to swerve around him. But he yeah. was on a bend. No high-vis, no nothing. So I couldn't see him, only for it was kind of daylight. If it had to be anyway, dusk or anything like that, I would have ploughed straight into him.
1: Yeah, and and, uh, the fright you get about something like that is just just incredible, isn't it? Uh, A
13: few choice words were said in
1: the (laughs) car. There are choice words often said in my car, I can tell you. So your advice (laughs) to people, you know, you being a driver, Tracy, your advice to people is what?
13: Get high vis. Yeah. And even on bikes or scooters, wear helmets as well, please.
1: Right. Because it's 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 so important. Uh,
13: It'll to save the... your lives. And also on the dog poop thing, the council give out the um bags for free as well.
1: Right. Okay.
13: You can go into the council offices and get the bags.
1: Oh, I didn't realise that, can you?
13: Yeah, you can. Okay. I have done it on several occasions.
1: Right. So again there's no excuse where that is concerned then. Yeah. All right, great to talk to you, Tracy, and look after yourself. And thank you very much you indeed. Too, thank, thank you, you very thank much. you. Be safe on the roads. Thank you. That's uh, Tracy speaking to us uh, this morning. Now, yesterday we were talking about uh, the notion of keeping people here in this country, keeping our doctors and nurses because when they're trained, the majority of them appear to be heading off to uh, other places. Well, Andrea Keenan has spoken to us in the past. She's been in studio with me because she's the proprietor of the wonderful Foot Care Centre in Clanmel. Andrea, good morning to you.
14: Good morning, Fran, and a Happy New Year to
1: you. And many happy returns. Lovely to talk to you again, Andrea. you. you, You have some ideas about keeping our graduates in the country.
14: And I feel really strongly about it that um, I think a good way would be to, after they have trained, after they've done their study, to work two years in the system. Mm. And not just the doctors and nurses. We are short of physiotherapists, occupational therapists, speech and language therapists. And it would I think it would increase their knowledge and make them more attractive when they do want to go overseas because they've had that two extra years. Now, pay them properly, pay them mm. as a, a, you know, it's not a training wage, pay them properly. But we, we would, we, I think every year we educate 250 doctors or thereabouts. Right. So the, one year we'd have 250 extra. The following year we'd have 500 because the next 250 would join them.
1: Right, and even if people, after whatever term we decide, uh, decided to emigrate in some way, you still have new people coming on all of the time.
14: Well, you do, and they have new ideas, but also these doctors and nurses and other medical professionals uh, would make roots and a life for themselves in their community. So they would meet people, maybe their children would start school, maybe they would buy a house. And and perhaps they wouldn't move. And if we had more staff, maybe their conditions would be better. Maybe we we shouldn't have junior doctors doing I don't know, forty-eight hour shifts or whatever it is disgusting thing they have to do, because there would be more people there to work with them.
1: Yeah, but I saw a headline yesterday. I didn't get to read the full article, but the the interim head of the HSE uh, was saying, oh, I don't know, like, I hate to keep people in a mandatory uh, fashion. We should find some way of encouraging them to do so as opposed to it being mandatory. Um, I'm not sure about that. I think it has to be mandatory. Do you?
14: Oh, I think it has to be military. It's just not working. Whatever they've, uh, Every year we have a winter plan, and every year I we have know. another plan, and these plans are not working. I had a, a lady in this morning, patient in this morning, she's waiting on a knee operation over two years, and she has a disabled granddaughter she, who relies on her. I mean, we can't, you know, we can't function like this. And the fact that they've now just decided, oh, the HSC is going to work for seven days, for the next 10 weeks. Mm. I mean, why weren't they doing that all the time? There must you. be some staff that that would suit better. And I'm just off the top of my head, I'm saying perhaps parents, uh, maybe the husband's working all week, but the, the, the wife or the mother could work a weekend because it suits their family dynamics better. I mean, I'm sure there are people might be studying something and they can, um, you know, fill in on a weekend or fill in on a day when they're not...
1: Yeah. But yeah. Do, you, do you do you see the whole thing as devoid of vision and creativity yeah. and uh-
14: Absolutely, and and we're hearing the same old excuses. And at the moment now, it's the pandemic, yeah. and it's the RSA war in Ukraine. And, and, and yeah. Oh yeah, and I mean, and let's not dismiss the war in Ukraine. It's mm. horrendous, mm. but th- there is no plan. Mm. Well, When they say these winter plan, what was the winter plan? I, I don't know what it was, and it's not working. Whatever it
1: was, well, it's, it's failed miserably. I mean, it yeah. it was only Christmas week. When they put a task force into into doing something about the chaos that was going
14: on, yeah, and I mean, we should don't shouldn't need a winter plan. I know people get sick, mm. but we should have enough capacity in the system that we've worked through the year. That okay, so okay, we're doing seven days a week. Uh, we're going to cut back on two days, and those extra that extra staff is now going to be part of our winter plan. I mean, we can. The, the trouble is, there's just there's no foresight. Like, there's no. Vision, like you said, no vision, there's no, there's no future planning. They're going from one problem to another. Yeah. And I do feel sorry for the doctors and nurses and the other medical professionals, but I do think they are part of the solution and part of the problem. Because if you don't want to change, if, if you work within a system, it's much easier to change it when you work in that system, much harder from the outside trying to get it changed. So they could make some changes. I mean, when we hear about their issues, we don't hear about, well, we could all work seven days a week. Mm, mm. What we hear about is money.
1: Yeah. You know, because you're in Medicare yourself with the the Food Care Centre, what are you hearing from people coming into you, Andrea?
14: It's sad, Fran. And, you know, know, what happens, actually, is you become immune to it, and that's even sadder. Mm. I have elderly people that can't get home care. And it's not because... Uh, the people just aren't there. They aren't encouraged to work, or they're they're doing a half hour here and a half hour there. You can't people aren't, can't work like that. They need to maybe um, spend an hour with somebody and have a conversation, and, but we don't have the staff to do mm. that. It's not mm. staff properly, and I don't think they're supported properly. So they struggle then, they've got bad backs. They're going, well, this lady this morning, she was offered to go out foreign and get her knee surgery, but she has this granddaughter that she must mind that needs her 24 hours, and and she can't do that. And and she's being pushed from Billy to Jack. She goes from one consultant to another and and, it's, and then they say, Oh, we'll give you an injection but all that does is put off the inevitable. instead of stopping that, just giving the poor woman the, the operation and she's gone off your books. And,
1: and so you've they, got they're, capacity they're, only, the next one. they're treating a symptom as opposed to yeah. to the the, yeah. the, yeah. the
14: And I think actually now that is a classic for the HSC. Mm. So, so mm. They are, treating, sorry, this, they are treating symptoms of the problems instead of actually coming up with something and i think asking a, i know it's expensive for nurses and doctors etc to study anybody to study in ireland depending on where you study but it is subsidized i know it doesn't sound like it is but it is a subsidized service and i do think it wouldn't be a big ask to ask people to do two years in the system, and when I say in the system, I don't mean it has to be in the HSC. Could be private, could be GPs, mm. could be nursing homes. In the system, though, I mean the whole healthcare system as a whole. Um, and and I just think we, as a as a as a community, as a nation, we would all benefit from that. And like I said, if they then wanted to go to Dubai and go tax free, mm. or go to Australia yeah. for the sunshine, uh, they have better skill set. They'll be more. more worthwhile for them.
1: Yeah, you, you see, ideas like that. I I can't understand why they wouldn't embrace that because we are where we are with a a system that just is failing miserably. You know,
14: uh, the 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 TDS. Uh, uh, I don't know. They don't have the wherewithal to make the hard decisions. They have. They're on this road. This is what we're doing, and they just can't see. Sideways to say, well, that's not working. We're going to have to do something radical. And they don't, I just, I don't, I think they think it's an unpo- and possibly it's an unpopular solution. Yes. and they don't like making unpopular solutions because they'd be frightened and they wouldn't get in the next time. Like they, I can't understand
1: why any other reason why it would be. Yeah, a, a, a they're pointing out, uh, though, and I suppose it's true, we have to look at the bigger picture as well, that, you know, it's grand to talk about people staying here and all of that, but look at the cost of accommodation or the lack of availability, I suppose, of accommodation as well, Andrea. Well, There's I mean, so many other things going on too. You there
14: know. is, and and they have to look at that. Hmm. But that, uh, we can't change that. I mean, I heard today there was 20-something houses being built. But, I mean, when we were, had no money in the 80s, we were building houses. Mm. There's absolutely no excuse, no excuse for not building houses now. That housing estate that they're building near the railway station has still not finished. And how long are they up there banging on nails and doing whatever they're doing? I mean... It's the system is broke, and unless someone comes along and says this, we're going to do this. Well, we don't even have a town bus. So how do these people that can't get to hospitals? How are they supposed to get around? And then then they say, "Oh well, now we have to all go to electric cars." We don't even have a town bus service. I mean, they're living in La La Land. And is that the
1: general thinking of people you would chat to? And uh, oh
14: yeah, I mean, people just get fed up because. They're saying, "What's the point? They're all the same." Fan, Sam. I get very frustrated. You can tell from my voice yeah, because yeah. I don't think they all—they are all the same. But I just feel they lack the will to actually do stand up and speak out and do something about it. You, 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 I know there's a housing problem, but that's not going to fix our health system. So let's fix the health system
1: you you're you're there, as I say, at the foot care center. I would imagine that foot health would reflect general health. Would that be fair to say?
14: yeah, it would actually because um what I offer um in some parts of the country is subsidized for people with diabetes, but not in inquaary and not in the southeast so um, it well, does. just,
1: just t- tell me that again. It's not subsidised here, but it is in other jurisdictions.
14: Oh, yes. If you, it's part of the old health board um, system. So the Eastern Health Board, i.e. Um, Dunleary, Rustown, and parts of Kildare, uh, you know, they're poor places, as you can imagine. Mm. Um, uh, they actually get a subsidised uh, um, foot care if they have diabetes.
1: But you and me don't. So it's not a uniformed
14: Oh, not at all. There's nothing uniform about this. I'm on I'm a advocate for diabetes island and they send out surveys every now and again and say, When did you last see your endocrinologist? And I go, Well, never because that's a norm in Dublin. It's not a norm down here. our service is poor. And the only way I think is to put more people into it.
1: And uh, as uh, the point you were making with tongue and cheek, there was Dunleary Rathdown right is, is an affluent area. Oh,
14: uh, absolutely, yeah. and they get uh, yes. Anyone yeah, who didn't know Dorky, think of Bono. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, no, he would get subsidised foot care, but well, you and I wouldn't.
1: Well, I'm delighted for Bono, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I can never understand that why it isn't the same right around. I mean.
14: So I had, you know, I had a letter sent off to uh, ready to go off to um, Kilkenny, which mm. is where the HSC in southeast is based. Yes, uh, and then COVID hit, so I just burned it because these people have enough on their plate; they don't need me moaning into their face. Um, because COVID was a whole different ball game for everybody. But yeah, it's not, it's not fair. But it, it, what it does is show how unequal, unequal our system is and and that's poor that's a problem i don't i don't have all the solutions i'm sorry for yeah, I, know. I do think we can do a problem we can do something with um with staff shortages i do i think it's a simple solution um uh, now, simple in this, you know, to change whatever their yeah. rules and regulations are. Not simple, I know, with transport
9: and
1: housing, and but I can't fix everything today. Right, right. I, of course. Well, <laughs> yeah. well you, you're doing a, a pretty good job. Andrea, I, well, you're pre- I know how busy you are, so thank you for taking time out for us today, Andrea.
14: You're welcome, Fan, yeah. and lovely to talk to and, you.
1: And you too, and thank you, and good morning to you. That's Andrea Keenan there at the Foot Care Centre in Clanwell, doing fantastic work along with uh, her staff there. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double. 07. They should wear high vis Fran regardless of time of day um, the key is to start the children wearing them from an early age and that way it will become the norms is one of our listeners. Um, okay yeah a uh, lot of people making the point about accommodation as to one of the reasons why that our new doctors and nurses are not staying here. Um, Alright we'll take a break back with more.
4: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1 800 938 007. TIP FM's TIP Today with Fran Curry. In association with Slattery's
0: of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie.
4: Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook,
1: Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Yeah, some breaking news for you. Now, Argus is set to close all of its outlets in Ireland, including um, the store in uh, Clonmel. This is according to a trade union uh, mandate. and In a statement, the trade union has expressed its disappointment at the uh, decision. More than 30 Argus stores in Ireland, as I say, including that one in the Clonmel shopping centre. Um, More than 400 workers in stores across the Republic uh, will be impacted by the closure, as you can imagine. Uh, Some of the stores will close from March as their leases expire. The remainder will close by the end of June and it's understood staff were told the trading conditions in Ireland, including rents and the overall costs of doing business here, were the reasons uh, behind the uh, closure. So that's uh, bad news for so many people working in August uh, across the uh, country and indeed for us here in uh, Tlan Mill as well this morning. Um, whistle This is a fantastic night out if you're a songwriter. It's a great opportunity and it's a platform for singer-songwriters indeed. It's happening this coming... Uh, Friday night at the Monks pub in Thurlis. The host is my great friend, songwriter and guitar player, Supreme uh, Tom Lyons. But there on the night will be Poddy Ryan and guests. Lachlan there, Shane Maguire, along with uh, Dean Rossiter, MJ and Larry Doherty, the poet, will be there as well. So let's whistle this at the Monks this coming uh, Friday night. Time to talk farming now. And uh, Katrina Morrissey is editor of the Farmer's Journal and she joins me. Good morning to you, Katrina.
15: Good morning,
1: Fran. Uh, great to talk to you. That's uh, sad news about Argus, isn't it? It
15: is. It's a pity to see businesses closing. Um, uh, uh, well, Clonmel is, is, uh, has seen an area of the town there where a lot of businesses closed, and uh, I would like to see it happen again in another area.
1: Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, where good news is concerned, though, Irish factory beef prices set to rocket. What's driving that, Katrina?
15: I suppose the most immediate increase is the fact that factories are soon going to be processing um, cattle eligible for the Chinese market, which, as you know, opened up Mm. there about two weeks ago after a a two-and-a-half-year hiatus. Um, So some of the processors have indicated that they're going to give 15 to 20 cent a kilo more for cattle that are eligible for the Chinese market. Um, But that comes on top of, I suppose, a fairly significant increase in beef price over the last eight weeks. Gone up about fifty-four cents a kilo, um, which is about two hundred euro head on a on a regular carcass of three hundred and eighty kilos. So. I suppose the combination of the, the Chinese demand, tighter cattle supplies. Bord Bia has forecast that there will be sixty thousand fewer cattle um, to go to factories in the short term, and that sh- that I suppose reduction in cattle supplies does continue out through the whole year. So, it's the market, I suppose, for an, mm. no lower supplies and higher demand equals higher prices.
1: Right, but if the cattle supplies continue to tighten, uh, what are we looking at for the future then, Katrina?
15: They'll never tighten that much, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, there are, I suppose, uh, beef production is a seasonal um, uh, enterprise as Mm. well. You know, farmers try to maximise their money by selling cattle off grass in the autumn. This time of year is a particularly expensive time of year for cattle from the farmer's point of view to be going to the factory because those cattle have been in sheds for the winter, which means that they've been uh, fed concentrates, Feed prices are up massively on last year and the year before. So the cattle that are going out now are probably the most expensive cattle that farmers will produce later in the year. There will be more of them supplied to factories because they'll be coming off grass.
1: Your own piece, uh, well, one of your own pieces in the, the journal this week really reflects what the Gardaí have been telling us over the last while. The farmyard thefts, uh, Katrina, off the Richter scale?
15: That's right, yeah. Um, we have a, a spread of stories this week. and uh, Most of them actually in relation to tractor tests. Um, one particular case, I suppose, caught our eye of a, a tractor and a slurry spreader that was originally stolen in Kerry. And one of the contractor's drivers took it upon himself that he was going to track down this uh, machine. And through the power of social media, CCTV, dash cam footage, you name it. He actually tracked the tractor the whole way to Armagh, so wow. he was able to get footage from different people in Limerick, um, at High, uh, sorry, at Lone, Ballymahan, Edgeworthstown, Granard, and County Wicklow, Cappaghlany, and Monaghan, and then the PSNI finally found it in the village of Keady in County Armagh. That was a trek of no less than 350 kilometres from wow. where it was taken and carried. That's just one case. Um, we also had. Um, a Longford uh, machinery dealer pleading guilty to the possession of stolen tractors. That's dating back to about 2018. Um, some of the tractors were worth up as much as, you know, 62,000 euro. We had a separate case then about tractors that were stolen in the UK being recovered in the last week in County Cavan. So this is obviously you know, this is happening on a large scale it right. looks like. And, and it appears to be
1: organised, <laughs> Katrina, as well, is it?
15: Very organised. Yeah. I mean tractors are a slow vehicle. So we have seen in the past cases where tractors, they're not taken and driven, you know, 40 miles down the road. What happens is they're taken, loaded straight into a curtain-sided trailer and potentially go to the port and gone out of this country within a number of hours. So the stolen motor vehicle unit um, is the unit of the Gardaí that that tracks this type of test and prosecutes it. And we have advice there from Detective Gardaí Eugene O'Sullivan about how farmers can... I suppose, protect themselves when they are buying second-hand vehicles. So, you know, you could have an innocent victim farmer who goes to buy a tractor that later turns out to have been stolen in the UK or somewhere else in the country. He's got some really good advice in this week's paper for farmers who are buying second-hand tractors. And
1: are farmers looking more seriously at uh, security now, Katrina?
15: They are, I think. Um, and Rachel O'Donovan, who's another Tipperary woman, friend. Mm-hmm. um She has a story this week, and she spoke to Jamie Nolan, who owns the calving camera company AgriCam. And uh, he says that farmers, when they're buying their calving cameras, a lot of them are putting in what's known as an alert camera as well. Yes. And that alert camera costs a bit more, but it sends a push notification to your phone when um, a vehicle or a person enters your yard. So a very, very useful piece of kit. Um, and you know, for peace of mind, you know, some farmers live on the farm. Some farmers live further away from the farm yard. You know, they might have an out farm that they're not in all day, and, and that type of um, camera could be could be very useful.
1: It could indeed. The to uh, Gresham House uh, uh, row is uh, continuing on, and are we being assured that they will not overpay for the land that they're purchasing, and thereby? not drive up prices. Is that what we're hearing now, Katrina?
15: Yeah, that's right. So, Dr O'Brien spoke to both Cuelta and Gresham House this week and uh, they have given him, I suppose, what their plans are as regards buying the land, the amount of land and what they are going to pay for it. They say they won't overpay for it. um, That, you know, they they said that there has been inaccurate speculation that they might pay up to 9,000 a hectare. Joe O'Connell, who's the Investment Director at Gresham House, said... The reality is it won't pay anything like that. We do know that it paid 5500 per acre for that first big purchase in Newport Mm -hmm. in North Tipperary. That was for Standing Forest. So they will have more to purchase. It will be interesting to see. Um, They say they're not going to push the the market up. I think farmers still remain quite sceptical of that. And um, it only takes two people to drive up the price of an auction fan at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, of course. And just to remind listeners again, I mean, Quilcher can't do this off their own bat. They need uh, other investors. Isn't that because of some European direct to, uh, directive or something? That's like what that, they, they that? say.
15: So yeah. Quilcher, going back a number of years, were um, planting new forests and they were able to claim cash money for that in mm-hmm. the same way as farmers are. That continued for, I think it was about four or five years. But then there was an EU ruling that said, no, uh, that Quiltia, as a company, can't claim those cash payments because it's considered to be state aid. And under state aid rules, they weren't allowed to do that. So Quilcha then stopped um, planting new forests. And since then, they've just been maintaining the forest that they have. But they say they need those grants in order to make it an economic prospect, and that's why they've tied in with Gresham House.
1: Mm. I, I heard Alan Kelly came out and said, well, what we should be doing is we should be fighting that directive in in Europe instead of doing what we're, we're doing. Is there anything in that, Katrina, do you think? Uh,
15: the European Commission is a slow animal to move yeah, at the best yeah. of times. Um, so we, while it might be possible, I don't see it happening in the immediate future. Um, you know, it just—I suppose—it has raised um, a lot of questions. This deal, as to you know, should should Crelta and the combination of Crioter and Gresham House be aided to that extent? They will say actually, farmers are getting five years more premiums than they are, which is true. So, a commercial company like them, a commercial entity, is only getting fifteen years of forestry premiums. Whereas if I went out as a farmer and planted some of my land, I would be able to get the premiums for 20 years. So there is is an advantage to farmers in that case, but you know, I suppose the might of Cielta and the fact that they would have um, very easy access to money in comparison to an individual farmer makes them look like a very strong competitor
1: for any land. Yeah, Eamon O'Quive came out uh, and criticised it very heavily this morning but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting when you scratch the surface. I mean, one of the points that he's making is that it's a British company and we're giving back land now in a willy-nilly uh, fashion. So it's interesting when you scratch the surface on some of this, isn't it? Uh, okay. fi- finally, before I let you go, um, a third level education guide to C Cao in the journal as well, and encouragement, I suppose, for for young people to get involved in in, in agri.
15: Absolutely, yeah. And um, we see this like there's a large number of agricultural courses now, and veterinary. Um, the there's a plethora of courses. Down from, you know, the the university level eight um, type course down to uh, the local colleges, the WITs and those who have, you know, they have a huge range of courses Mm. now that maybe weren't there 10, 15 years ago. Um, This guide also includes um, information on apprenticeships, which there's a big push um, on these days. And we've seen the shortage of apprenticeships um, affect industries like construction. Um, so there's plenty of information there, both for either someone um, of an age where they might be applying for an apprenticeship or a CEO course. Um, and also, I suggest for some people, maybe their their mums or dads will be looking at it. I can
1: imagine. I can imagine indeed, because uh, very great advice there on the college finances and all of that. Katrina, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, friend. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. The text and WhatsApp is 083 News and information is coming up.
4: Tip today with Fran Curry
5: With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
1: But, but you're telling me the footpaths, though, destroyed a lot with, with yes, dog
6: poo. Yes, yes, yes. And what, what annoys me is, you know, we say if a dog stops up and has a sniff at whatever, like, you know what I mean? They're not supposed to, they get a disease from yes. it, mm. and the whole lot, like, no. And it just annoys me, like, you know, just pick up the pool, like. You know, right.
1: But you're telling me that the bins are all full as the well.
6: bins are full, yeah. There's, um as we're coming down uh, past the um the, the bus station, there's, uh, I think it's a uh, boys' school, and there's a bin outside it. Right. And I have tried to put the pool bag into the bin, no, it, there's no. I'm going around Clamel with
1: bags of poo. And that's Mary speaking to me this morning. Uh, Mary from Killinall, but she brings her daughter to college in town. She kills time by going for a walk around the town, and that's been her experience. What about yours? Oh, in three, three double one, double three, double one. Now delighted to be joined in the studio as usual on Thursday by Muriel Cuddy. Muriel, of course, the CEO of Marito. Eighty twenty, 20 the clinic in Clonmel. Muriel, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. Is it cold enough out there for it's you? It's
16: freezing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's hardy weather, as they eh? say.
1: Hardy weather, <laughs> yeah. indeed. Can you start by taking a question? Will that be, be yep, okay? Absolutely. Because uh, one of our listeners, knowing that you were coming on this morning, has said, would you ask Muriel to speak about weight gain and the menopause, please? I've been going through menopause for the last couple of years. I've put on a stone and a half. I'm on HRT. It seems to be uh, improving things for me. But what about the weight gain?
16: yeah um we work a lot on this random clinic, and it's funny because all the issues you have, and there's a symptom checklist of about 50 issues in relation to perimenopause and menopause, and one of the biggest issues for people, like they'll literally put up with the hot flushes and the sweating and all the different bits and pieces or whatever in mm. the bad form and whatever, but the weight gain is the biggest issue. People are really upset. They hit, they get to like 45 or whatever it is, and then all of a shot, here's a stone and a half around the middle. And what, where move. is that coming from? Well, it's a couple of things. I think people don't realize. So, um, lifestyle you do naturally slow down. So that's one of the things. As we're getting older, we don't realise everything kind of hits at the same time, mm. right? Hormonal changes. So the hormonal changes, that side is there and because of them, there is like a 5 to 8% weight gain over the space of about two years. But that's after your last period. So that's not perimenopausal right. that leading into menopause and a lot of people find the weight is starting to go on from the perimenopause side. The other thing is um, because we're stressing more and because we have all these issues and the hormone-related issues are there, our gut isn't where it needs to be. And when that's not where it needs to be, then your metabolism, everything slows down and everything nearly shuts off. So no matter what you're eating, it's not agreeing with your body, if that makes sense. So you have to literally do a whole lifestyle change when you get to a certain age and pull back. I always say to people, right, let's go back to go forward. Mm. Let's find Mm. out when you were in your happy place and when you felt okay. what have you been doing for the last couple of years in between? So we have to look at diet. So your diet is like a Mediterranean diet when you're, you know, perimenopause or in the mm. menopause. So what am I talking about? Essential fat, like your fish, extra virgin olive oil, things like that, that I've always spoken about, nuts and seeds. The carbohydrate side doesn't work. So definitely the processed food side doesn't work. You know, So anything that has more ingredients than five or six, your gut just won't like it. Anyone that's listening that's in, in menopause state or in perimenopause will actually say to you, I can't take alcohol anymore, I can't drink, like mm. one drink and I'm gone, or two drinks and I'm asleep, or the brain fog and that kind of thing. It's because the body isn't able to cope with it, because the changes are there and the hormones are all over the shop and the gut. And even when we take HRT, that does settle our hormones for for a little while, but the other sides we still have to get. Get, right, yeah. get get into it. And
1: uh, does the HRT, like some other drugs, does that promote weight gain?
16: Um, yes. it, not really, it doesn't. It no. does settle the hormones and people think maybe, it, it. like you'll have like breast tenderness and things like that, you know but they all settle after about two or three months. There can be fluid retention so yes. like excess levels of progesterone except, and there can be fluid retention. But those things all do settle, you know, after three or four months. Um, people blame HRT some, sometimes, but it's not really the HRT if we can get that right it's actually the other side of how much have we slowed down how much muscle loss have we like well, you need to get into the gym you need to sleep properly you're not even into the gym if you're gardening and stuff like that we have to maintain muscle you have to exercise a little the eight hours sleep are so important so all the other sides come way out to the fore like of getting right. this bigger but picture right but you come
1: across people with these issues all of the time in the oh clinic, it's, it's, yeah. it's
16: literally Fran it's mm. every single day and we go through the, the, the checklist like and they get so upset um, you have people crying over all the different things like mm-hmm. it's just not me I'm just not myself I can't focus at work I can't focus at home I just feel whatever but the weight gain is one of the biggest ones mm. like nothing will fit me I I just don't want to stand up. I don't want to get dressed. I don't want to walk around the office. All of that side of things. And that's just awful. It's just, yeah. Somebody said to me, can you lose weight? Yes, you can. Yes, you can get back. People would say, my ideal weight. What is your ideal weight? Because your ideal weight is not where you were when you were 20 or 30. So there has to be a new norm. And you have to get used to the new norm. We have to figure out where your metabolism is at. So what can you eat and eat really well and feel really well? So maybe it's like a couple of pounds heavier or whatever. But we find the new norm and we get you mm. to that happy place. And have
1: you seen people turn around?
16: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And it's not hard. If you do it in small wins, mm. like the small realistic steps or whatever, that you give yourself a plan for three months or four months or whatever. Like we can go through pregnancy and it takes nine months and we know it takes nine mm. months to take the weight off and all the bits and pieces. It's the same with menopause. It's a couple of years of building into it. A couple of years then of the perimenopause. Then you're like, it's menopause. So like you've all these years... Of mm. different changes happening within the body.
1: There's a lot of conversations over the last few years around menopause. Is that a good thing? Is, it, is there a better understanding now?
16: Fran, we started that. Yeah. I think when I started, we started mm. chatting about this. It yeah. wasn't there wasn't anybody talking about mm. it anywhere. You know, it's fantastic because and and you know it's even fantastic that men are talking about mm. it and it's not taboo anymore. Mm. And men actually know, in the office or wherever it is, or even at home. Just shut up. Mm. You know, just like, yeah, yeah, sure. It's yeah. form isn't bad. It's not our fault. But, but in there's,
1: fairness to men, women were keeping it all to themselves as well. Well, I suppose then, most you know. people didn't
16: know what was wrong. Yeah. I so suppose. you felt like you were going cracked. Mm. Like I had a girl in the other day and she said to me, I literally feel like I'm going demented. Mm. I don't know what's wrong. She said, I'm agitated. I'm anxious. The eldest two were gone from home. They were gone to college. She said, We're just, the only two of us left at home. There's no reason. I'm working. He's working. Everything is okay, yes. so there isn't any reason for me to be the way I am. But she said, even here, she, you could see her hands were like literally oh, shaken. And, and... Just the anxiety was just... She felt like her body was just nearly like, like an out-of-body experience and she just couldn't understand what was wrong. She and, she
1: said, and some people then sail through it, Muriel. Have you thought about that? Why?
16: We've had conversations about this, right? Yeah, We actually feel the less stressed you are, the better chance you have of getting through it without even noticing. Okay, And we're actually finding that people that don't have children... And don't have all those extra stressors are actually getting through it now the phone lines will probably hop and people will say that's not true that's not true mm. but we are finding the less stressed you have and the less stressors you have so like if you have kids you have kids husband probably mm. parents work college all mm. the different bits pulling out you at that age because that's the that's age you're point, at yeah. whereas if you don't have the kids you don't have the same stressors yes there be other stressors but we just it just seems to be the emotional ones are actually putting people um i suppose faster and, and more in that state
1: that's, that's very interesting indeed by the way yeah. if you want to uh, give a question for for muriel you're yeah. welcome to do so she might not deal with it this week but we can give it to her as as her homework yes. for, for for next week a couple of other things too before we get on to the, the main point you're going to talk to us about today but um where aesthetics are concerned and um the kind of thing you do at the clinic what about the age where yeah. that is concerned
16: um this is all driven by social media, I suppose. Yes. And, and and social media is the place for ad- advertising and all the bits and pieces, isn't mm. it? Everybody's literally scrolling and looking at all the different bits and pieces. Uh, the lips are a big thing at the mm. minute, right? Yeah. And, and lips for, like, I suppose, um, the Kardashians, Kylie, mm. definitely. Like, she started um, getting the lips done and everything at 17. Uh, kids nowadays, it's the norm. So Mm. for us, even if it was the nails or whatever it is, now it's the norm to look at the aesthetic world and see how you can actually change your face and change your body. Body dysmorphia is massive anyway. Adolescents are going through so many different changes, Fran, that they don't know where they're at. Mm. It's actually, you know from the ages, and the research is there from the ages of 12 to 17, confidence drops, right? So children are looking at their faces in the mirror and they're comparing themselves to what they're actually seeing on social media and they're picking out what's wrong or whatever. Uh, Lips, literally, the FDA FDA approval is there that you're not supposed to get any aesthetic work done before 18, right? Um, They're even trying to push that to 21. Um, Clinics, we wouldn't dream of letting anybody, even with parental consent, come in to get their lips done under 18. and
1: You won't do that? Not in a no. million
16: years, right. no. Because they, they, their body hasn't developed. They're not where they need to be. you are like still you're, growing. You're nearly into your 20s. Even your brain hasn't fully developed until you're 20. So, like, even the thought process of getting your lips done, it, you know, is all over the shop. So, mm. for me, it just it doesn't make sense. But in so many clinics, even the form filling isn't done in relation to, you know, taking the medical questions mm. and, you know, are you allergic and all the different bits and pieces to it. That's not even done. But then the other side of, when you start, when somebody's starts getting their lips done, they're looking in the mirror and they like the effect it has, you've got to stay getting them done. Yes. And when they go in, um, it's it's the process behind the aesthetic world, is in, if this is wrong, is there something else wrong? And are you chatting to a child of that age about, well, you could actually get this bit done, or you could get that bit done. It's just totally wrong. For adults, it's completely different. And the aesthetic world has a brilliant place to play, even like, say, for young girls at 20 or young b- boys at 20, if there's things that they're really bothered about mm. and their confidence is, is being affected. But as at under eighteen, if parents and I suppose this is more for parents that are listening if they're t- if your kids are talking about it, if you have young daughters that are talking about it, you have to sit them down and you have to go through the pros and the cons of why. You Know, um, is it because you've seen it somewhere else? Maybe if you still think like this at 20, uh, if you start, you're going to have to stay getting it done. Yes, the confidence side.
1: But, Muriel, are you concerned that there are places where they can go under 18? Oh, skeleton?
16: this is literally, um, Fran, I'm, I'm seeing it on social media, like it's the pictures that came up that frighten me. Yeah, that you know, even for me to do more research on it to see, like, you know. Why is this happening? Where is it happening? And I suppose it's because this whole world isn't regulated enough. Like, Mm. there should be a register, a central register, the same as there is on all the other sides of the medical world, that we can all put our practitioners up there and their qualifications, etc. So if somebody wants to get it done, if their mother agrees, they can actually look it up and say, right, okay, I found a really good doctor. He's registered. Um, He knows the anatomy of the face. We Mm. can tell him what age you are, etc. And then maybe that's okay. But that central register has to be there and the regulation side has to come in. Every
1: so often I watch this programme called Botched and you know, I mean you really want to know that the people doing the work are qualified. You've
16: got to have doctors. It's the same as somebody doing any kind of surgery or you go to a doctor like for whatever is wrong, whatever ailment is wrong. Mm. They're the expert in that area. Mm. You know, so if somebody doesn't have that expert qualification, they Mm. don't have the medical field behind them. And is that
1: your advice? I mean, you know, unless somebody is qualified and...
16: Fran, they have to be. Like people come to us all the time and they, they they might say to us, like, clinic is beautiful and all the bits and pieces. We know we're a little bit more expensive than than the, mm. the other places or whatever. But we are because it's doctor-led mm. and I will only have doctors and experts working. And the other thing is the product. Mm. So a lot of product can be bought from non-reputable places and you're actually putting that into your body. Yes. So unless you actually make sure that you know where the product is coming from and the product is, you know, CE marked, etc., Right. Uh, that's not good enough either.
1: Interesting. I'm bombarding you with all sorts of extra questions today. There was yeah. something from a listener that I found interesting though because you were talking to us about the um, the drug that's available for people to help with uh, weight loss. Mm. When they present themselves, well, when this lady in particular presented herself at the pharmacy, she wasn't treated brilliantly. She she was yeah. sort of questioned and she was wondering about her dignity in fact being it's, sort of it's, it's
16: it's them. it's a sore spot. It's really bothering me, Fran. Um, I'm after getting this from three different people, right? right. Um, the three people in question didn't go to their own pharmacy mm. because they were embarrassed, yes. right? Uh, didn't even want to go to their own GP because they were embarrassed. Um, for back, Going back for whatever number of years, the GP would always have said to them, you need to lose weight. Mm. And they're right. And I've actually heard of two or three GPs that have been brilliant in relation to this, mm. that they're actually saying the weight loss injection is a really good tool. And I've really come on board and I feel, you know, it's, it's something that you should explore doing. So if GPs have come on board, why aren't the pharmacies coming on board? Now, mm. not all pharmacies are the same, but the three girls that, um, in particular that I'm thinking of and the call that you mm. got, Fran, have been asked questions over the counter in a busy pharmacy yes. in relation yes. to what's yeah. your name, um, why do you want it? Uh, where was it prescribed yeah, but they These have kind a kind valid
1: of, prescription
16: yes absolutely um, and the valid prescription doesn't come without their BMI being taken without all the mm. different rigorous checks bloods etc yes. etc et so everything has been done the psychological side has also been done as in the why are you are you taking the injection mm. etc so if they don't fit fit, um, fit the criteria they're not going to get the right. prescription but
1: you wouldn't so, be asked that about your blood medication your blood pressure medication or, or your,
16: diabetes yeah. Like, yeah. type 2 diabetes is lifestyle-driven. Yes. Do you know what I mean? There are a lot of things that are lifestyle-driven. It It just upsets me so much just because somebody is visually obese or overweight, that their brain isn't exactly the same as somebody else's and you're allowed to hum- humiliate. If you're allowed to humiliate like that, like we have to hope for the kids in the playground up, yeah. you know. But yeah. I'm, I'm after getting that, not just from that question right. but the feedback so is... So it's,
1: it's a valid it's, it's a valid criticism, It's valid, it? yeah, yeah. right. And
16: upsetting. Okay.
1: What you were going to talk to us about uh, today, and it's an interesting one as well, when you're no longer able to play sport, particularly at a high level what Mm. happens to the old body and particularly i suppose what happens to the mind as well
16: well it's it's funny now so this is even so for people listening because i get a lot of um, parents that bring um adolescents into me as well so you know on their diet side and on different sides of when they're injured how do i get them back and when i talk about the gut they'll they'll want to know more because injury comes if the gut isn't right etc but they say they actually say players that play top level sport die twice so you die once if you have to retire from injury or you have to retire and then, of course, you die the second time. You know, so mm. that could be whatever. So that, right. that's so true, isn't it? And, yeah. and the other side of it is the depression and all of that kind of thing. Like the famous players, Neil Lennon, Kelly Holmes, um, Andrew Flintoff, all of these people, it's well documented. Their road after top level or whatever was like depression yeah. and all... Because this, this has
1: been their lives. This has been everything to and,
16: them. And you know they've been out there as in they've been like, you know, famous people Yes. and all of a shot. Your whole worth is around your, your, how you're playing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you're like the emptiness is there and the struggle and all that kind of thing. And that's even for the younger. Like, we put kids into sport. And, like, you've got the coach and the parent and the teacher mm-hmm. and all the different people. And, and they're really good at it. And, and there, is their self-worth then based around how good they are? And what happens then? So, like, it, things are taken away from you when you play sport at that level. Like, financially emotionally as in relationships and that you know and and all those sides academically like because even to get the college degree and all the bits and pieces so there's so much based around that like what actually happens when all that's taken away and people aren't prepared for it. Of course, yeah. And I've actually I thinking
1: had here about our GAA players as well, hurlers and footballers all who were because they train on the level of pros, Muriel, you know? I mean
16: they're they they can not drink. Yeah. They can't go out. Mm. And they have no level of whatever with relationships with girlfriends mm. and stuff. There's none of that. Mm. And year after year you're striving like mm. to make yourself better in all the bits and pieces. Every year, from the time you get to about twenty four or five, you'll peak twenty four, twenty-five, twenty-six And then things start slowing down Mm. so wear and tear like to get as fit as you were to get the body fat down to do all of those things it becomes harder and harder so you feel less of a person Mm. as every year goes by, that you lose that 1% or 2%. So So what what can you do? Well, I think we have to prepare from early years, right? Mm. Because playing sport again, you have regular doses of serotonin. So that's released into the body and released into the brain. When that stops, the serotonin isn't there anymore. So I think our sports sports people, we really have to. They say the hardier you are, the better you'll get on through this. Mm. Now, on the positive side, if you are an athlete, you are mentally strong so okay. the mental side is there and the hardiness is there or whatever but I think from a younger age we have to actually open the mindset a little that we pull back and that it's not just that one track focus on mm. the athleticism and how many other things can we do the, the hardiness the mental side we have to work on that I've had three it's actually men which is strange in um, that it has been just men in the last week on this they're between 35 I'd say and 44 would have played all the GA and all the different sports up along retired Um, because of, like, I have a hip injury, muriel, and this Mm -hmm. is at me, that is at me, whatever. They've come out the other side. The weight is starting to go on. They don't feel well. Uh, All the different issues went down to the field and I wasn't able to run, all the different things. Um, So they said to me, what can I do? where do I go from here? Mm. So those three lads are all at that, coming out the other side. Uh, kids, so that's started now as well. So we've we've kind of gone backwards and we've had to re-educate on the nutrition side because you can't eat like what you would have eaten when you were playing sports. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can't eat the number of calories, which is number one, and that's kind of the body fat side. So when the, the tummy is coming on, they're getting upset over mm. that. But then the visceral fat side is there is in the nutritional content of what you can eat when you're 20 mm. has completely changed when you're 38 or 9. So we're seeing even guys that have no weight on have visceral fat levels that are higher.
1: This is the hidden fat around the, the organs. The hidden fat around the abdominals. Yeah.
16: Yeah. I've had men into me in the last while or whatever that should have visceral fat levels of between six and eight. They look really slim. So when you'd see them, you'd say, "God, you're quite dapper, and you look I don't know mm. why you're coming into me, etc." And then when you start delving into it, their visceral fat levels like are up at fourteen or fifteen. Wow! Uh-huh. Because they're living like on what they would have lived on, like the breakfast rolls and the and the chocolate and stuff. And you remember years ago we weren't taught players weren't taught years ago to the same extent how to eat so you literally fueled your body on spuds and rice and all the different bits and pieces yeah. and then you ran it off whereas nowadays the younger generation do have a good idea how to eat but there's a whole cohort out there um, of people that are coming through that now at the 38, 39, 40 and just literally don't know what to do and they're the ages we should be living I know we've got the kids and stuff yeah, you've, I know. you've got to feel good even to be able to manage that life
1: but they're missing the serotonin so that's the good good mood that we create, the chemical yes. we create yeah, ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely,
16: it? yeah. And you know, the other thing is your ability to process oxygen as well isn't there to the same extent. So you're not going to feel as good. So even when you're exercising and stuff, you're not going to get the same endorphins because you can't push as hard because you can't produce as much oxygen as what you would have before. So the stats are there. I think it's about 39 to 44% of people that would have come out of that world suffer with depression for a certain length of time. Isn't that
1: interesting? Yeah. So what? You look at the diet... Yes. and and exercise I everything
16: you look at burnout you look at sleep quality yeah. so you look at like say sleep sleep debt and sleep quality both so like how many hours sleep are you getting um, guys our adolescents need nine hours sleep mm. okay so they need nine hours sleep because they're um, coming over into puberty etc their mind tells them they don't need nine hours sleep so they'll say six and six and a half and seven is okay and I don't need to go to sleep and I want mm. to stay up late and circadian okay, rhythms and all of that are there they need nine hours sleep so whatever they say to you, if they're not getting it during the week, get them to catch up at the weekend, leave them sleep on don't be pulling them out of bed. If there's matches or stuff, yes, they need it. But work that out that they're actually getting the hours they need, because that will affect them, right? Right. And you told
1: us that before, you can catch up. You can, can you can catch
16: catch up up. the weekend or whatever. But for somebody that comes into me, we talk about all of it. So we we literally go through the diet and the gut and where that's at. A lot of people have nutrition intolerance issues that they wouldn't have known they've even had. They've eaten stuff and because they're running and they're training and they kind of get through it. But when the system slows down, they'll actually say to you, well, my gut pops. I actually, like even men, like I look like I'm three months pregnant or whatever you're mm. when I eat this and this so we go through all of that with them and then we go through the stress side of things the burnout so did you burn out somewhere along the line are you like and you, it's funny you'll find people with young children are very near burnout and they don't see it like they get through the whole cycle of getting up and doing the feeds and then the kids are two or three but that's a whole cycle for burnout too from both both sides parents like so I'm not just talking about men I'm talking about men and women and there's a lot of women mm. that are like on the whole athlete side of this as well Um so you have to go through everything everything yeah i suppose Stress.
1: and and because they're not under as much pressure to perform they probably have a few extra jars as well i suppose
16: well yeah but you know i suppose at that age we're actually fine and the jars are nearly gone because they feel they can't do it especially yeah. when the kids are there and I that suppose, yeah. what they can't really cope with is the the weight gain the loss of muscle um the the joint pain the body pain mm. the worry about all of that and then you have the whole other side, like of the kids and the staying up late and whatever. So that's where the food comes in. So it's not even. I'm not mm. fine. It's alcohol. I'm fine. Like it's chocolate and rubbish. When you actually eventually sit down at night and yes. grabbing something and, fast, at, at
1: and the risk of offending lots of our listeners, I, I, yeah. a lot of athletes in that position when they're finished their their hurling or soccer or football or whatever, they take up golf that's and. Right. <laughs> Is that, I mean, is that good exercise?
16: No, it's, it's you know, it's, no, I won't say it's not good exercise. Yes, you're out, yeah. but you're walking too slow. Right. You're not moving okay. fast enough. It's brilliant for the brain and all that kind of thing. And the social interaction has to happen because yeah. you have been involved in team sport and you need to do that. But you need to build muscle. We need to preserve muscle. We need to make sure we have it. Once you've started at any age in a gym or you've started at any age... Um, Built in muscle you do retain it and it does come back very fast it has a memory so even if you if you're 12 months out and you're trying to get back into it again you'll get back in very fast within 4 weeks or 5 weeks but you've got to do something that kind of pushes you and at 30 to 40 it's still within the body mm. you can do things like hit training sessions that take maybe 20 minutes um, anyone that's listened that has ever played sport will know what I'm talking about that's like you're pushing for maybe 30 seconds on 30 seconds off you can do own body Press ups, planks, squats, lunges, that's what the body needs. Mm. If we don't retain the muscle or build muscle, we lose it. Okay? And muscle is our metabolism. Muscle is is, is the makeup of the body. That's what will reduce the body fat and that's what will help you eat more. Okay. But you've got to eat essential fat and protein. The carbohydrate side is the piece of the picture in Ireland. Because we have this weather and all the bits and pieces, people overindulge in. So it's the protein and the essential fat if you get that right. And as you get older, that's where you've got to go with it.
1: All right. So if people want to talk to you or your colleagues, how how can they do that?
16: Yes. So it one.
1: Okay. And call at any time, I guess? Any time. All right. Okay. Lots of stuff coming into us. We'll put it all together for you for next week, Muriel. But uh, great to see you. Thanks very much indeed. Muriel Cuddy, CEO of Marito 8020, uh, the clinic in Clonmel.
4: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slatteries of
0: Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slatteries Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over fifty years in the Premier County. SlatteriesGarage.ie.
4: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In
0: association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie well,
1: Thank you to uh, those who sent us uh, various different queries for Muriel. We will furnish her with them and uh, we will... Uh, get to them and discuss them next time round. Is that okay? Now, down your ways back this weekend with my friend Eamon O'Doir. He was at the Kilchill and Kilcash GAA Club fundraiser to celebrate the successful team of 1972 and the great Sean Nugent was part of that team and he shared his memories with Eamon.
17: I have one particular memory of it and that is I was in Dublin at that time and uh, you know you wouldn't be even down for training and Dublin was a faraway place that time and you wouldn't be down for training but um, I, I remember the Thursday night before the match I used to train with a club called Whitehall Gales in Dublin and there was a guy, a great trainer Clem Foley was his name they had no field at the time in Dublin but we, we were training on the Thursday night and your man was doing every kind of exercise which you standing on one leg and your shoulder on a fella I unfortunately put, put my right leg into a hole and twisted my ankle, now this was only three days before the match but um, I said to myself I won't be playing next Sunday and that was a kind of a big blow. But I don't know all the things that you do, like icing, icing the, the leg and all that sort of thing. And um, my late aunt was an awesome. When I came home, I came home on the, on, the, on the Saturday and I told my aunt like about it. And she said, don't worry about that. She said, keep walking on that ankle. She said, I'll give you a tablet. <laughs> and I said to her I hope it doesn't put me asleep <laughs> okay, and she so said no She said, how did you play I played ok now I got away with it I shouldn't have been I never said it I never told the selectors that's why I told the selectors I wouldn't be playing <laughs> and I got away with it I got a point, so I wasn't too bad and I, I, I lasted for the 60 minutes you know you didn't want to lose out after all
3: trend in no, no, preparation
17: didn't want to lose out no really that, that was it but we had some great players at that time some of them some of them unfortunately have gone to their eternal award and some of the greatest ones but we we, we, we have some of them here uh, tonight still with us, Thanks for really the God who were the big names at the time uh, the opposition well the big names at the time but the opposition were Babskiing he was a major threat, no question about it, because uh, at that time he was at the peak of his powers and he could win a game on his own. But we somehow or another, we we, we beat Art Finan in 68 and Babs only scored one point that day because he was well marked out of it. So we didn't have any great fear of him, but unfortunately for him and for Art on, on in 72 he had a leg fairly heavily strapped up and he was a bit handicapped I have to admit that mm-hmm. but uh, he was held at bay anyway that day and he made no he made no great impact you know
3: so it was all basically south Feathert had a great team in those years
17: they had well there were great teams around like you had Mile Rovers, you had you had Feathert and uh, you had commercials of course and you had Al Finnan mm-hmm. and if you got out of the south if you beat some of those teams well you, you had a good chance of winning the county yeah. You know, With a lot more into running in those days. I'm sure they were. there were, but like they didn't seem to. We didn't seem to come across them. Yeah, Thanks yeah. be to God, we didn't seem to come across them. You know, now the the, the county uh, championship was won on an open draw at that time. So that kind of favour does because you could have some of the good teams knocked out along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, you might meet them like, and um, I know in '68 we won every match by a point in the county championship, and the final by a pint. Okay. Now, we were much better than out Finland in 72, but we still only beaten by two points.
1: And that's the great uh, Sean Nugent remembering that uh, great Kilsheel and Kilcash team of 1972. And that's just a little of what you can expect this Saturday from 10 o'clock uh, in the, uh, the, on Saturday morning with uh, the great Down Your Way and with my friend Eamon O'Dwyer. Liam joins me now. Liam, good morning to you. Morning, Fran, How are you? I'm very well indeed, Liam, and good to talk to you today. You were listening to our to our chat yesterday. You were wondering why the guardie weren't making more of the notion of people walking around and not being seen properly when they're on the roads.
18: Yes, Fran, I mean, I, I would be a, a, a daily walker, and um, I always wear a high vis mm-hmm. vest, even you know, during the daylight or whatever, um, and. I'm aware that the guardie you can get the high-vis vests free of charge in the Garda, in the Garda stations. I'm aware of that. And I was just passing by the other day and the Garda squad car passed by. I was walking and I saw two people on the opposite side of the road walking with no high-vis vests than I had. And I said to myself, wouldn't it be good now if the guardie stopped and they had high-vis vests in the boot of the car and give them to? they they'd wear them for the rest of their lives because they'd be afraid they'd be caught again without.
1: What a nice touch that
18: would be. Yeah. And they're free of charge, and they're not cumbersome in the boot of a the car. They're very light.
1: Mm. Yeah, and, and and just, you know, stop up and in a nice kind of way just hand, hand them out to people.
18: Yeah, yeah, it's it's making them aware of it. And when a squad car pulls up beside you, you won't forget it, no matter what it's for. Even absolutely. If it's, even if they're only looking for direction somewhere, you will remember that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, what a community service that would be.
18: Yes, I agree. I
1: agree. <laughs> Can you understand Liam as as a walker yourself and and wearing your high can you understand why people don't do it because i think it's madness it's
18: lack of education on it and awareness of it um i mean i even see runners now people are running joggers mm. and they're not not I, I saw a guy 2 days ago black hat black tr- top tracksuit and a black trousers tracksuit running and it was about 5 o'clock
1: so it was you know, getting. It was dark. It it's was getting,
18: getting dark. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's a dangerous time, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I get on to my daughter when I go up to Dublin, because she cycles to work some mornings and she mm-hmm. works from home in the mornings. And I say, make sure you wear a high vis vest. Mm. Yeah. And she's a four-year-old daughter, and any time her mom goes out now, she the daughter says to her mom, "Your high vis vest." I'll tell Granddad. Ah, brilliant, brilliant. And you know, it's and that's education. It's, yeah. uh,
1: you know. Of course, but but somebody, I, I you know, whatever about people walking who who are not drivers. But if you're a driver, why you wouldn't know that when you're walking you need to be seen? I just don't understand that at all.
18: Well, Fran, I'm driving over fifty years. Thank God I never had an accident. But I I, I put it this way: I've had new ones because I've come across people with no high vis vest. Yeah. But every time I see a high vis vest, it, I concede straight away. I was listening to your. I think it was a truck driver the other day. I said he was going to Terry or something. He's right. They need, in fairness to the motorists, the the pedestrians need to be wearing these. Mm. You can't make people do it. Mm. But I think if you educate them to it, even the sports stars, if we see, you know, our own sports stars, hurling rugby, soccer, whatever, let them, at that time, come out and let them be seen wearing a high-vis vest or let them promote it a bit. Because people see these things. Yeah. They identify with it.
1: Absolutely. and uh, Wouldn't it be great? And, uh, do you know, if, God forbid, an accident does happen, Liam, it's always the driver that's blamed. Oh, Is they were you, going yeah. too fast and they were, weren't were taking uh, care and attention, you know. But, I mean, there's a responsibility on people walking to look after themselves.
18: It's huge. I was at a function last Saturday night and I was walking out to the hotel the following night to collect my car. When I say night, nice, it was around half five and it was getting dark. And it was only about 300 metres I had to walk in the bad stretch where it wasn't lit up to the hotel. Outside Ross Square, Record Hall. Yeah. And I can tell you something, I'm an experienced driver. I was scared of my life with the oncoming traffic, and there wasn't that much traffic. I was scared every time a car was coming towards me. Yeah,
1: scared. I can, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah.
18: yeah. Imagine if I didn't have a high vis vest on. Oh that my God. Motors would maybe not see me.
1: I know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, particularly now with the frosty weather and it's dark and it's yeah. difficult and yeah. yeah, so so Liam, the message to people is get a bloom and it's not even going to cost you, but it might save your life. Yeah. Everybody
18: today that can do it, go up to the garden the barracks. They'll probably want to know what like me for this. Say, i like a hive vis vest. Bring it home. Hang it on the chair that you sit down to have a cup of tea at every day. And it'll be there all the time. Don't hang it up behind the door somewhere yeah. where you won't see it or in the scullery. We call it the scullery. I think it's the utility room now to call it that, <laughs> uh, friend. Anyway.
1: I and, haven't heard uh, the term the scullery chair. for years. I love it. Yeah, yeah. well,
18: that's... <laughs> That's what I remembered it.
1: As. <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, anyway. and I love the notion as well that the guardie throw a few of them into the boot of the squad car. And what a lovely idea that would be to stop up and hand them out, wouldn't it be great? I think
18: so. Yeah, and think it would cost. So. And, and look, if it saves a life.
1: Yeah, wouldn't it be fantastic? Liam, you look after yourself. Be safe on the road. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, you. Bye-bye, Janelle. Liam speaking to us uh, this morning. And we were speaking about GPs and primary care and all of that. And we have a voice note from one of our listeners.
19: Hi, I heard you talking about GPs and stuff this morning. And um, I would be someone who used to, and still do, have a lot of anger towards the medical establishment at how uh, inefficient it is and how much kind of trauma is being caused by how inefficiently it is being run. But um, I have someone very dear to me who's a GP and seeing what she goes through, the emotional difficulties that she carries, the the actual burden of being kind of boots on the ground, trying to help people. When she's a part of a system that's broken and she's such a limited power in what she can do and really doing her best to help. It's absolutely heartbreaking to see because there's so many doctors and nurses that are working so hard and really care, but they're so overworked and just burnt out. There's staffing shortages all over the place. They can't keep nurses and doctors and stuff because they're, believe it or not, not being well paid enough and not being kind of managed well enough. And I just think sometimes there's this myth that like, you know, GPs are paid too much and stuff. But I would say to anyone who actually knows someone who's working in that field, when you see how overworked and tired they are and how much they're trying and the um. The emotional impact that has on you as a person who's trying to see as many people as they can in a day, help as much as you can, do the best you can within a limited spectrum of how much time you have and what you're actually able to do when there's waiting lists. And from the top down, just absolute corruption and mismanagement in the HSE. I guess I just want to say, like, thank you to all the doctors and nurses out there because there's so much hard work going in to it. And I think sometimes that they face the brunt of the anger towards the mismanagement and the just the shambles of the health system in this country. So, yeah, thanks to all the nurses and doctors and the people on the ground that are actually literally putting their sweat and tears into it every day and then facing the backlash of things that are are generally out of their control. So, yeah, thank you all. And hope everyone's having a nice day.
1: Oh, thank you. What a lovely, thought-provoking and eloquent uh, voice uh, a voice note there from one of our listeners. If you want to leave us a voice note, we're delighted uh, to get them. It's 083-311-3311 if uh, for any reason you don't want to talk to, to me and chat to me. You might like to do it that way, but whatever way you make contact with us, we're always very happy to receive your, your correspondence. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, back with more.
4: if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1800
1: 938 007. You know, sometimes I wonder at the uh, cheek of RTE. Um, seemingly, RTE has pressed the government to introduce a charge for all households to replace the TV licence fee, regardless of whether they have a television or not. And the national broadcaster has warned it does not have a sustainable future unless the current licence fee system is comprehensively. Uh, reformed. And the comments came as uh, the Media Minister, Catherine Martin, unveiled the new plan for the implementation of recommendations in the Future of Media Commission uh, report. But maybe if they they ran the place efficiently and maybe, just maybe, if they put on programming that was sort of very attractive for people to, to watch and get involved with, maybe that would help somewhat too, do you think? What do you think about that? Should there be a uh, a sort of a universal licence, whether you have a TV or not, where you you pay for the wonders of RTE. Oh, wait, three, three, double, one, double three, double one. Yesterday we spoke to Shannon, Tara and D regarding the uh, letter from a concerned employee. After her shenanigans at her Christmas party, she was full of anxiety because she was videoed uh, after kissing the accountant and flashing... Her line manager, one of our listeners, sent a, a WhatsApp uh, a voice note and uh, here's what she had to say.
14: I think it's just ludicrous, to be quite honest with you. The big hoodoo. So what? She kissed the accountant. Did anybody go up and get her to the accountant? Is he hiding? The girl did nothing wrong. She went a bit wild at the Christmas party. And the one who took the video, I mean, they should be horsewhipped. They're a sick person. They should be hanging their head in shame for the carry-on. If I was that girl, do you know, I'd leave that company because they just sound like a lot of nasty people.
1: Now, that's one of our listeners again with another WhatsApp voice note. If you want to, to do that, it's only three, three double one, double three, double one. Now, yesterday we had a massive reaction to the huge backlog and delays. In orthodontic treatments and appointments. And a few of our listeners shared their experience with us. And Kathleen uh, joins me now. Good morning to you, Kathleen. Morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today. Can you tell me about your experience where your son was concerned?
20: Yes, um, it was 2016, Fran. Hmm. He was referred to have braces, um, fitted. He was 13, 8, 13 at the, at the time. And um, so every so often we get a letter from the HSE to say, well, we're still interested. In, um, in wait, still on the list, waiting for it. So we would reply and say yes. So in 2019, I think you did another coverage about it that actually mm. on TipFM that time yeah. as well. Mm. And I watched, rang them to see where he, he was on the waiting list. And they said to me, because there's such a backlog, they're only up to 2014 that year. So it take another two to three years. So I, I decided to go private then. With my son, because at that age, imagine he was getting conscious of, of his course. looks, yeah. you know, teenagers. So I went private and paid for it. And anyway, last year, 2022, I got a letter from the HSD to say, because my son was waiting over five years uh, for it to have his braces fitted, that I could either still wait on the waiting list or go private, and they would pay for it to have it done private. Now, the orthodontist that they mentioned was the one that actually went and had it done privately myself. Yes. So I rang him up and I just said to him, look, I said I had to pay privately myself a couple of years ago to have the um, braces fitted. And I said, do I, any get, do I get any any money back? And they said, unfortunately, you don't, because the scheme is only set up last year. So I would say if anyone out there that's waiting over five years to ring them up, and chased it up about. Mm.
1: That's very interesting indeed. But I mean, you went to the same orthodontist you, yes. you paid, but in retrospect, they won't pay you, give you back your money.
20: No, because they said the scheme was... That it wasn't was, set I, up at that point. Yes, it wasn't set up at that time. But I mean, you know, I had to pay it out, and if it happened now, they would have paid for it.
1: It's just, it's it's, mm. it's incredible, isn't it? It, yes. it? Would you mind if I asked you what you paid? Uh,
20: 4900 4900 <sighs> Yeah. And that's like money I didn't have at the time, Brad, can, you know. I, can imagine.
1: I yeah. can imagine. But you felt you had to do that for your I sons. did,
20: because my son was very conscious. Yeah, of course. And he would have been, even at that, he was. He would have been left school at that stage. You know? Yeah. My God. So, yeah, I mean, he's, his teeth are lovely now. They're, they're, they're lovely and he's happy with them. But, as I said, there's no reimbursement from them.
1: Alright, so you were completely out of pocket. When you yes. heard then yesterday this relatively recent, I suppose, option that you can go outside of the the state for treatment. Um yes. You know, that would have been fantastic for you too, wouldn't it?
20: It would actually. Now, don't think about that. I was just thinking that after. Um, like when I went privately, I had to go back nearly every six weeks You have them okay. tightened yes. and things like that. Mm. So you would have to travel up and down. You know, and stay maybe. But, I mean, it's a lot cheaper. I heard someone say yesterday it was a lot cheaper than what we paid.
1: Yeah, David was telling me that I think in all, they were only out of pocket between travelling and everything, about a €1,000. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
20: so it is worth it. But did that just come out now as well, that scheme?
1: I think it's only out in the last couple of years. Okay, right. But, again, people weren't aware of this until they went to their local representatives and found out through them.
20: Yes, you see, that's it. We're not told nothing. Yeah. You
1: know, it should be. We, we we should be indeed. What what do you think in general, Catherine? I mean, just health service in general. I mean, do you have much to do with them?
20: Um, it's hard to say, really, Fran. It's it, it's hard to say.
1: Yeah,
20: hmm. I kind of work in part of the health service, so do I can't. Okay, I can't, so uh, you have to be yeah, you have to
1: be careful about yourself. Yeah
20: yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, the amount of people on. To us, you know, and the, and they're they're in great difficulty because of the lack of services and the yeah,
20: that's so. that's it. Yes, yes,
1: yes. All right, Kathleen. Well, look, I, I'm glad it turned out well for your son, but I'm sorry. Yes. I, I'm sorry it cost you an arm and a leg. Yes, but, but. yes. The things we do for our kids, Kathleen. Well, that's
20: right, that's right. <laughs> okay, thanks. Look after Bye.
1: yourself. Bye-bye, Dutch. Bye-bye Bye. now. That's a Kathleen speaking to us uh, this morning with her experience of orthodontics in this uh, country. Um, nobody minds paying a, a TV licence, but we're looking at repeat programming all of the times, as one of our listeners somebody else uh, saying uh, very right Uh, what a waste at RTE just look at the Today Show a man in a white coat pointing a stick do you know I saw that what is that about it's a guy pointing a stick at a map and, you know, it, it looks a bit daft to me, but but there you go. Anyway, OK, a lot of critique of RTE programming coming in and uh, saying that it's not worth the licence fee as it stands, the as to say anything else as one of our listeners. Uh, Somebody else saying, I agree 1,000% with that man, Fran. I am uh, shocked that drivers who go walking are not more aware of the need of high-vis, especially with the sun so low in the mornings. It's absolutely shocking.
21: Some girls used to kiss and run Never knew what they had done Some girls always wasted time And keep you hanging on the line Some loved horses and always stayed at home But the stains because left the rolling stone Games that you had to play, making rules along the way. Strange attractions, you'll be
1: From Newcastle, England, the great uh, Chris Rhea there and Stainsby Girls. Uh, France. seven years ago, my late husband uh, went to Newry for cataracts uh, to be removed. Had to pay, uh, but eventually got most of uh, the money back. And we've been hearing about uh, those experiences over the last uh, few days. Uh, somebody says RTE needs Tip FM to show them how it's done. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people might disagree with you uh, with that. Noreen wants us to ask healthcare workers across the board what they're earning. So, Noreen, I wonder have you, uh, have you an ulterior motive for that? That's it for me. Emma produced Ali, looks after her content. Stephen is on the way, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye bye.